Hello, and welcome to Unabashed Book Snobbery, the podcast where we gush about George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire, and overly criticize that it's super unfair <laughs> how critical we are, the horrible adaptation, Game of Thrones. This is where being a book snob is a compliment. My name is Kylie, and here with me is Julia. Hi, everyone. And today, as has been the case for the past couple of podcasts, we are not going to be discussing Game of Thrones. Nope. Uh, We've been discussing Game of Thrones a ton on Mm -hmm. our website, fandomfollowing.com, and also in our other podcast feed, The Fan Wankers, where we give you episode reactions every single week. Every week. Every (sighs) Monday. And boy... Isn't season six shaking up, shaping up to be great? Yeah, they're definitely not doubling down. No, not at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, one thing that I am totally excited about in season six is that Jamie and Brienne, spoiler alert, are going to be headed to the Riverlands. And clearly they're going to be hooking up with their book plot line and having, you know, really deep thematic significance and not at all a smashy battle or anything. Yeah, well, you know, I, I guess it's, Time reverse gambler's fallacy, you know. <laughs> they have to. They've fucked up so many plot lines. They have to be getting this one right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're very optimistic. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> ju- just in case, we decided that it actually might be a fruitful exercise, also because we happen to love these plot lines to discuss. And they won the poll. Jamie- it- and it won the poll. Yeah, thank you so much, Reverend, for voting. I can't yeah. believe how well the Terrells did, to be perfectly honest. Are they coming like, up next? Yeah, they're coming up next. They came in second. Ah. Oh. Which is great. I love talking about them. I love their opacity. Yeah. I love how... Yeah, I just... I'm excited about that, but... I didn't love Elena until I started writing her, and now I kind of love her. Well, Wendy would smack you if you said you didn't like her, because she's an awesome old lady. But, she is an awesome old lady. But, um, you know, A Feast for Crows is very much... Julia and I just did our A Feast for Crows defense post. Mm-hmm. And it's very much characterized when people talk about it by Brienne and Jamie's travelogues and how yeah. it's a little slower paced. And these are the two plot lines that I think Julia and I get very pissy about when people should talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, really, any of the books, but yeah, I, I think we get a lot more pissy when they when they should talk the Dorn Theater. But okay, oh yeah, that well, kind of goes without saying almost with us. Yeah, yeah, but like. <laughs> I guess what I mean is that this gets pooped on a lot, mm-hmm. and we, we know we don't like that. Yeah, especially Brienne. I wonder why. Uh, I like Brienne. Yeah, you mean Brian? Brian. Oh my god, it's so bad, dude. So I actually did something really weird for me, which was that I prepared for this podcast. Yeah, that is weird. That, <laughs> which means that I did a. It was twelve hours of listening for their sixteen chapters, and it was all mm-hmm. Roy Detrice going Brian, <laughs> and like his voice is burned in my head now. Yeah, I can't get yeah. It like there's some ways that he delivers lines. Like I, I always read them like that in my head now, and it really annoys me. Yeah. <sighs> A true daughter. He deserves as much. <laughs> like, okay. 
All right, right to Trace. But he he does he does a really good job. Yeah, even we're not shitting ma- on him. I mean, if even if he made uh, old man Piper sound like he was on his deathbed, I don't know what that interpretation was <laughs> <Yeah>. for. <laughs> like, He's was having that? like a very bad asthma attack. Yeah, like it it wasn't as if it was Pycelle who coughs in the middle of things. He just decided to give Piper a really horrible. No, asthma- like, it was all like inhale. Yeah, like he was- and he'd be like, "Where <gasps> is my son?" <laughs> I, I anyway. think my listeners should know we're sober. I swear. We we are sober. Like, this is... We're this very... Is... Yeah. I'm drinking water right now. We're just kind of being us. This is what it sounds like when we're not hitting the record button. Anyway. So what we're going to do is going to be very similar for what we did with the um, mm-hmm. Ironborn podcast, where we're first going to open with, you know, uh, chapter discussions, sort of high-level recaps or... You know, we'll try to do yeah, high level. We'll try anyway. Um, and then, and then we're gonna, uh, break it down and talk mm-hmm. about, you know, the themes and the characterizations and sort of the parallels between them. Yep. So. But we're Hopefully not gonna be- try to guess the author's intentions because that's inappropriate, apparently. Oh my god. Death of the author. We can't even talk about Martin. <laughs> that's, that phrase does, I think that phrase was just like splitting a hair that didn't need to be split. Um, mm. it's fine. It's yeah. fine. I wasn't upset by it. No, I was more amused by it than anything. So how do we want to do this? Do you want to, like, take Ryan's chapters and I'll take Jamie's? <laughs> no, we'll just alternate. Okay. Uh, how about if you start with Brienne 1? Okay, so in Brienne 1, uh, Brienne is, uh, she's in Maidenpool, right? No. <laughs> or she's... <laughs> no, she's in Rosby. She's, he- she's in Rosby. No, she's heading toward... Yeah, she's in Rosby and she's heading towards Duskendale. Okay, okay. yeah, because it's, it's Maidenpool kind of like at the, tar- at the top of the crown's lands yeah and that's where tarly is so that's where she gets into, yeah. into chapter and three, then so. and then there's dusk and dale which is also in the crown lands and rosby yeah so she's just because rosby yeah, and so stokeworth she- are quite close to king's landing i think oh god i don't know my map is in the other room i only have my i only have my middle earth map right here this is useless <laughs> so brian she's looking for a maid of three right. and ten uh, a highborn girl with uh, blue eyes and auburn hair. Very fair face. She may be traveling with a fool or a knight. That phrase never gets old. <laughs> oh, so she meets these two kind of hedge knights randomly and they have dinner. Like I think they have squirrel. They do. And there's this one guy who has like this really highly inflated opinion of himself. And then there's this like other dude who has really bad <laughs> eyesight. And they're telling all these tall tales about how they fought on the Blackwater when they obviously didn't. <laughs> And then uh, she meets the High Sparrow. He just kind of yolos past. <laughs> With a bunch of other dudes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And they're, like, carrying, they're carrying, like, a bunch of, like, corpses in a wagon. And then she meets the Mad Mouse, who's, like, uh, being the bodyguard for this, like, random mm. merchant. And he's a complete piece of shit to her. Oh, um, yeah. He's, uh, he talks about how he's his big like, counts. Yeah, and he's just like, I'm looking for Sansa Stark too. Your like cover story is kind of pathetic. Um, so she, uh, they all get to the inn, and she gets rooms for the hedge knights, and you know she's just basically, she's doing that thing where Steven Universe was like, you know, standing by the blinds and being like, I have to break up with Connie. Uh, so she kind of pieces out in the middle of the night. Oh, oh, full disclosure. And she leaves him behind. Yeah. Cause no, because she she does this whole thing where she's thinking about like I could hang out with people, it'd be cool. But then no, she decides she no. needs a Connie in her life. 
Everyone needs a Connie in their life. She... It's true. Everybody does. And everyone needs a Steven in their life, too. Anyway. Yeah. The so, next chapter yeah. is Jamie 1. And he is standing in attendance to his father's beer. And he's basically hallucinating because he hasn't slept for seven fucking days. And... <laughs> Yeah, you're supposed to have, like, you're supposed to keep a vigil for seven days and seven nights, which is, I think, physically impossible. Well, other people could have relieved him. Like, other yeah. Kingsguard could have relieved him, but he didn't want them to. Uh, there's one great part where, this comes towards near the end of the chapter, but I just think this is, like, funny and so telling, where he, he has, uh, I think it's, it's it might be Loras, if it's not Loras, it's, um, what's his face? Balin Swan, relieve him, someone. Someone relieves him. And he goes and runs after Tom and, and then Cersei snaps at him for like not being standing vigil anymore and she's like, you can count to seven, can't you? It's the number of figures you have, plus two. So I've always really liked this chapter because it has like a very lyrical quality to it. Like, kind of, It's very oh, yeah. atmospheric. Yeah, it's kind of hard to describe exactly what happens because he really is just woozing and thinking yeah. about... He, th- he thinks about it's, how It's not he exactly to- linear. Yeah, like, he, he, he thinks about how after Tyrion escaped, he went to, con- you know, question the lead jailer, even though he knows where Tyrion is. And the jailer is talking about his drop of Targ blood, and then Jamie's like, kind of, you know, zoning in and out. He thinks back to when Rhaegar left for the Trident, and he was like, oh, please, can I come with you? And yeah. Yeah, this is some of Martin's best writing, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I and think so too. And it's got like, like, uh, cause it's like, he's kind of like hallucinating. He's having all these memories and like everything is kind of bleeding into each other. Then like Cersei shows up and like you yeah. kind of don't know whether she's really there or not. Well, what I, yeah, it kinda, it's yeah. kind of like his dream or his, his vision, whatever, in a Star of Swords where he's in the mm-hmm. crypt. Kind of reminds me of that. And and what I really, really like about it too is that like it centers back on Tywin's corpse all the time too. Mm-hmm. So like, What's going on with Tywin's corpse, by the way, is he's rotting from the inside. Maybe a certain prince poisoned him. We don't know. Uh, I, I think that, that theory has been more or less kind of quashed, unfortunately. Like, the word of God, I think. Or Jost. It's been Jost. Yes, that's the term. But I really like it. Death of the author. Well, t- Tywin is symbolically full of shit on the inside. Like, it's yeah. pretty clear. But he's smelling and his, something awful is kind of happening to his corpse, too, where he's drying. So he's starting. It looks like he's smiling. Yeah, like, and the, yeah, the skin. A- apparently it's worse than normal than what it usually is. But yeah. there's a part where Jamie's like, zoning in and out and he zones back in and he sees that, like, Tywin is, you know, amused with his tail. And then he starts laughing, too. And it's just, it does this great, great job of, yeah. like... Uh, another little moment that I really like is when he's talking to Pycelle. Oh, yeah. And he's talking about how Pycelle is the only one who's actually mourning Tywin. And I and don't know. It's it, super mourning Tywin. Yeah, it really humanizes him. Like. Pycelle? Yeah. Uh, and what I like too is that he related his beard getting chopped off by Tyrion to his hand getting chopped off and like, yeah. you know, the defining what makes a man and. The, oh, the manliness too of this chapter he's like oh father you know you told me i shouldn't cry at anything it wasn't manly so forgive yeah. me if i don't shed any tears and all that and- yeah like um jamie's the only lannister with like really that kind of empathy and you're kind of wondering where he got it <laughs> he is uh, yeah his siblings don't really have that do they yeah yeah but um cersei cersei does indeed pop in even mm-hmm. though it's a little like hallucin hallucinate ish that's a word hallucinogenic and- yeah hallucinogenic something else okay and she she's basically disguised and it's raining outside and then she's i uh, i don't know why i gave you so much detail she asks him to be hand 
And he says no, and she just gets so pissed. It goes very well. If it's battlefields you want, battlefields I shall give you. Do you think her like her disguise is fooling anybody? No. Is yeah. it supposed to? Like, is she one of those like people? Like, you know how Lucille Bluth didn't know how much bananas cost. Like, is that how she disguises herself as a servant girl, like Marie Antoinette in her to- in her toy farm, where they pre clean the eggs for her? <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, she's seriously, I don't think she's really too worried about it. She was obviously just trying to be alluring for Jamie because, like, the first time she came to him like that was, mm-hmm. you know, when she convinced him to go to the King's Garden. Yeah. Whatnot. Uh, anyway, yeah, the next day. It was probably the first time they had sex. Yeah, probably. Lovely. Mm-hmm. The next day, all the peeps show up to mourn Tywin, and it's kind of great because, yeah, Pycelle's there and he's, like, really upset. But then, like, the Tyrells are there and they, like, or smelling flowers. Yeah, because uh, the corpse is trying to stink up the sept at this point. Yeah. And then Tommen shows up and the smell is so bad and Tywin is so horrifying looking that he runs crying. And there's a, a pack of startled septas and they're just useless. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't make it on my definitive ranking or anything. And uh, Cersei comes out and is immediately like, Joff would have never humiliated you. You're the worst son ever. Blah, blah, blah. So Jamie tries to tell her to be nice. And- yeah, he's trying to bond with the sonian. Yeah. Anyway, at some point, he, like, he and Cersei are talking alone. I guess Tommen goes off. And he, he she's talking about how use, awful the Tyrells are, and he's like, why don't you have, plead with Mace Tyrell to go lift the siege, and then you'll probably be rid of him. End. Storm, yeah, because, you know, he's this gallant idiot, so he'll probably go off and do it. <laughs> and then he'll be out of the city, and... Like, it kind of seems like they're, like, you know, Lannister's scheming again, and... They're bonding! It's a nice family bonding moment. I don't know. She's still a little pissed at him for refusing the handship. But that's that's the chapter. I'm sorry it took so long to explain it. It's just, there's a lot of, like, weird pieces and moments that jump out. Yeah, it's the kind of shit we like. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so then it's back to Brienne. And she's gotten Duskendale, and there are, like, corpses still chilling outside. Oh my god. Every- oh, and by the way, that's another thing I meant to say. These back-to-back, if you read these back-to-back, it's crazy how similar their th- thought process was. So in Jamie's chapter, he has a line about, like, the carrion crows don't dif- discriminate against friend or foe. Yeah. And then Brienne, like, is- be worth if a crow can feast upon a king? Is that the line? Yeah. And then Brienne is looking and she's like, oh, the carrion crows, they're eating wolves and lions. And you're like, oh my god, can you two stop? <laughs> But yeah, it's like telepathy. Um, sorry, am I supposed to be summarizing this chapter? Um, <laughs> so no, she just gets keep knitting, dear. Uh, I'm not knitting. I am whip stitching the squares of my afghan together. Just so you all know. Are uh, you going tying speed or? No, I wish I was going tying speed. Uh, I know I'm very concerned about like the colors, like the same color being too close to itself in the afghan uh it's very important so sometimes she'll sometimes she'll ask me she'll like should the blue be next to the orange or should the gray be next to the orange (laughs) be like no the blue definitely because they're more opposite so she decides that she doesn't want her shield anymore because like it's got like the sigil of the lostons on it and people are like lostons we don't like them (laughs) they're ugly bats (laughs) she decides she wants to cosplay as dunk and so she gets his sigil uh, painted on her shield by some dude's sister. It was like the guard at the gate, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, then she meets with the Castellan at the castle at Duskendale. 
what family's running Duskendale these days? I forget. Oh God, I don't remember. It's you got to look it up. I'm 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 the one who wrote these summaries, and I don't think I did a very good job. You did an awesome job. They're very humorous. Yeah, but is that the goal? Um, yes, it's the goal. How's Riker? How's Riker? Okay. Never no, heard of him. He's not around. Yeah. So she talks to the Castellan, and he's just like, you're like the fifth person to come and ask about fucking Dante's Hollard. Because, yeah, that's, uh, Dante's was from, uh, Duskendale, so that's why. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he exposits about the Hollards and the, uh, the Defiance the, of Duskendale. Defiance of Duskendale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, so, she goes out and walks around the town, but like somebody is following her. Oh my god, <laughs> it's obviously Pod. Uh, I'm not gonna And he was actually doing this last chapter too. Yeah, she like noticed this little skinny boy on a piebald horse. Yeah, a sway back piebald horse or something. I don't know. Yeah. So she goes to an inn and she meets like a friendly monk who is also a little person, which is important mm-hmm. later, unfortunately for him. Um, <sighs> I hate that. He's, like, really nice. He gives up his yeah. soup for her, and she buys him soup, and they just, like, have this really nice conversation. Yeah, they're just, like, just like talking. They're just, like, interacting, like, two normal people. Um, mm. And he tells – she's, like, telling her that she's looking for this person – she's looking for this highborn maid and who might be traveling with a fool. And he's like, well, I heard this story, like, in Maidenpool about this guy named Nimble Dick who uh, has – he was boasting that he uh, fooled a fool or something like that, right? Yeah, and he gave a very like detailed description of like there was there was this fool. The fool went down to the docks and or something like that. Like he had a lot of information on this one fool who was apparently had two travel companions. And and Bram was like, maybe maybe it's Sansa and Tyrion and Dantos. Like yeah. I don't know. So she's having a lot of thoughts, but um, yeah, yeah Nimble Dick is in Maidenpool. Yeah, so she's like, oh, I guess I'm gonna go to Maidenpool. And then, like, she has a dream where, like, Renly turns into Jamie or something. Yeah, well, it's like he dies in her arms, but when she, like, looks at it, it's Jamie instead of Renly. Yeah, so, um, that might mean something. Ooh. Uh, she gets the, uh, she gets, um, she gets the shield and it's awesome. And then she, like, uh, she, like, jumps pod, right? Important. But Pod, like, literally bumps into her ass, and then she's yeah. like, okay, that's it, I'm actually gonna figure out who you are, and... Yeah, he uh he starts being like, "Oh, I I was a squire, but now he's gone." Yeah, he, well, he's basically like slightly traumatized that Tyrion abandoned him, which I don't particularly blame Tyrion for leaving. But yeah, he certainly never given a thought to Pod since. Well, and Pod was like gonna fucking die if he stayed around. Yeah. No, d- did Tyrion ever think once about Pod in Dance of Dragons? Tyrion's busy thinking about some other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure I blame him either, but maybe I do a little bit. I don't know. Um, I blame Tyrion for, you know, having the thoughts about raping his sister before. I wonder what happened to Pod, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you get to go next. Yeah, so it's actually another Brienne chapter next, and she's on her way to Maidenpool, and when she gets there at the gates, there's a farmer and his wife, and <laughs> they're, like, they're selling eggs because there's, like, some wedding coming up or whatever. And- yeah, uh, Lord Tarly's uh, son Dickon is marrying uh, Lord Wooten's daughter. Yeah, which is actually kind of important, I guess. Yeah. And uh, there's, like, these just dickbag guards, and they, like, well, we're gonna just take your fucking eggs, and because at first they're, like, we're gonna 
pay you, you know, two coppers or something yeah. stupid for all these eggs. And then when well, as soon as the farmer's like, you're cheating me, they like grab his wife and they're like, we're going to rape her as you watch. And yeah. then we're going to take your eggs anyway. So Brienne draws her sword and like the wife wrenches free and she's like, stop it now. And they're like, ho, 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 ho. And she calls them a raper and she hoped that it would like make them flinch. But mm-hmm. nope. uh, he he's just like, whatever. <laughs> um, But then Heil Hunt comes just popping at in to the scene. To the rescue. Like, Did you know that Randall Tarley gilds <laughs> rapers? With all his, like, Heil swag. Yeah. Uh, and He's got, like, this appalling, like, appalling sigil of, like, a, yeah. a, like a, a deer kind of hung upside down on the pool. You know how you always see in movies? That's yeah, a yeah, sigil. Yeah. It's appalling. Well, and... And the thing, too, is Brienne did not want to run into Tarly at all. She actually was, like, determined to go through Maidenpool without running into Tarly because she feels indebted to him, but she hates him. Because he's a butthead. We'll, we'll find out why. But, like, Hyle is like, oh, I'm going to fucking take you to Randall rape apologist Tarly right now. Mm-hmm. And yes, that's, that's what we always call him, and we don't want to hear any shit about it. That's the man's name. He's sitting holding judgment of, like, the people who have, like, cri- done crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who Who's ruling? Who's supposed to be in charge of Maidenpool? Because he's, like, Mm-mm. sitting there, too. Yeah, so Charlie's really the one ruling he's the, it. the guy whose sigil is a salmon. Yeah. Yeah, and apparent, apparently it's, like, really good because he's so, you know, tough that he's tough, people don't bother He's tough but fair, Kylie. Oh, my God. He I can't believe that. washes out a sex worker's vagina with lye. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was one of... The, his punishments are such horseshit. There was, like, a guy who stole from a scepter. He's like, oh, remove seven fingers. You stole from the gods. Like, do you feel important, Randall? Do you? Yeah. Great. And, anyway. like, the guy, the guy, like, owned up to it and stuff and was just like, you know, I had to because I was hungry or whatever. But, like, and, you know, I'll accept my punishment. Yeah. And then he gives this, like, draconian punishment. And you're like, dude was being nice, okay? Yeah. <laughs> um, We really don't Brian. like this man. No, he's fucking piece of shit. Um, Brienne, anyway, is brought up to him and he's like, ah, you exist and you're not in your father's kitchen. <laughs> what is that? Well, not kitchen. She's highborn, but you know what I yes. mean. Um, well, some highborn women do have to cook. I guess. But, I guess yeah. it's fair. But We've either way, she's examples of that. But he's just like mad, mad that she exists. Yeah. And then, like, how uh, dare you? He's like, what are you doing? I'm looking for a fool. And he's like, ah, you're uh, stupid. And then she hands him a piece of paper that's like, I have the king's blessing. And he's like, this is bullshit. Go away. (laughs) Go find your fool. I don't give a shit. And she's like, okay. Oh, and then he also tells her that uh, Lysa died. Yeah, because she's just like kind of spitballing ideas for what she could do next and like hoping he'll give her- Maybe I go to the eerie to look for Maybe you can like, you know, give me some advice or something since you know the area. But no, he's just a jerk. No. So anyway, she goes she goes to an inn and she decides to like uh wait for Nimble Dick to show up because yeah, that's they why have, she like, was really, in really bad anyway. wine there. Oh and Hyle's like, Oh, I wanna find this fool. It's like, no, go away from me. <laughs> and while she's waiting for Oh yeah, this wine's disgusting. It's like there's grease and hair in it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I think important. there's like a theme of feast dance of like really bad wine. So remember you know, that the, a- da- Davos has that really bad wine in uh, White Harper? You know, Juliet, why do we ever promise to give high-level recaps of anything? <laughs> it's the intention that counts, Kylie. <laughs> We're sorry for this result. Anyway, um, as as she's waiting for Dick to turn up, yeah, she starts thinking about 
Randall Rape Apologist Charlie and the whole wager thing with Heil mm-hmm. Hunt and uh, what's his fate? Who are the other people that were involved? Red Ronnet. Um, yeah, Red Ronnet was. I think those are the two important ones, really. Well, Ronnet was also uh, Dick. To Mark Wellendor was, was too, too, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, but Red Ronnet also was an asshole to her in her childhood. He was uh, almost betrothed to her, but then he saw her basically and was like, "Nope." I've seen a cell that is pretty. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but the wager was just that, like, all these people in Redley's camp were like, "Oh, if you can bed her, you'll win." You know, the, the pool. Pot. Yeah. And it kept getting bigger and bigger. That Randall was like, "Well, it was only a matter of time before someone raped you, and that's your fault because you're acting like a camp follower." But yeah. I told them to stop it, so you're welcome. Yeah, like uh, his son Dickon, uh, Sam Charlie's younger brother, the one who's now heir to to uh, Horn Hill, heard about it and told his father. And- is Dick in a butthead, too? Or is yeah, he... these guys were having a wager. Like, we really have no way of knowing at this point. Okay? I, he's just a dude that's martial. That's all we know. But he's, like, nine years old. Dickon? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's young. He's the same age as my sonian. Oh. Yeah, we have no way of knowing what Dickon's like. He's yeah. just better than Sam. Yeah fuck everyone anyway dick turns up and he's like oh i'm nimble dick i don't talk who who's asking and so she has to basically keep paying him to talk about the fool that he fooled and yeah the story sounds compelling to her and he says that you know they went to the whispers and she's like i guess this is worth it we'll go to the whispers if we find my sister then i'll pay you eight dragons if we find just the fools the fool i'll pay you two dragons if we don't find anything you won't get anything yeah, except for the Sign stuff that she's, up. the stuff that she's already given him. Yeah, except for the like <laughs> two stags and a dragon that she's given him. Yeah. yeah, which is not a small amount, by the way. No, like I, I've heard, like an equivalency, like a dragon is like close to a thousand dollars, something like that, in equivalency. Yeah, Jamie is a uh, Jamie had her well stacked. Yeah, because uh, stash Dunk bought a horse, or he sold a horse for like three dragons. So it's not an substantial amount at all. Yeah. Okay. Next chapter. Okay, so the next chapter is a Jamie chapter. Yay! Um, Jamie 2. Jamie 2, yes. So Jamie is kind of uh, watching the procession that is taking his father's body back to Castle Rock, leave the city. And uh, he's talking to his uh, Uncle Kevin, and he's just, like, super pissy and is like, Oh, I'll be hand if Cersei meets my conditions. And, like, he like is not at all subtle about the fact that he knows about the twin cest. And um, he talks to Lancel, too. And Lancel is, like, doing really, really poorly. And he's super duper pious now. Like, he has these two septons that he's chilling with all the time. <laughs> and, and Kevin's like, this is weird. I just want to go see a married and help him rule. Yeah. And, uh, like, Jamie is trying to make, like, body jokes about him because he's about to get married. And, but Lancel is just like, I know how to do my duty as a husband. Thank you very much. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah. She's fucking Lancel and Osmond Kettleblock. And- <laughs> the moon boy for all I know. So then he heads back into uh, the Red Keep uh, to uh, hang out with Cersei, who's like drunk in the middle of the day in front of her son. And also <laughs> Tana, her new BFF, who uh, Jamie does not approve of. He's like, uh, she's obviously a spy. It's uh, so inappropriate. They're just like shit faced in front of her son. Yeah. And so th- they're gossiping a little bit, and Cersei's pissed about Bronn uh, naming Lollis's uh, child, um, the child Tyrion. that she, yeah, she got uh, pregnant after she was gang raped. Uh, so she's had that child, and Bronn named it Tyrion, because Bronn is married to her now, if you'll recall. Um, well, apparently they originally wanted to name it Tywin, and yeah. 
That was that Cersei was, in was the, like, one of the Cersei chapters of the week. Yeah. yeah, and Cersei was like, "Oh, that's such a dishonor to name a bastard Tywin." Yeah, so you know, your stupid, like, right. your stupid sister got herself raped, so you're not naming her stupid bastard baby after my father. Yeah, it was, it was Felice who had wanted yeah, to name it, but yeah, whatever. Um, so Cersei was like, "All right, so. fine, fucking, we're fucking naming the kid Tyrion." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, when when they're alone, Jamie is like, uh, "Tana is obviously a spy. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> and Cersei like says like she's hot and well more or less Jamie thinks she's hot too yeah she's talking like the way she walks every step is a seduction I think that's what he said right yeah 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 but no Cersei, Cersei uh, also is like she is a spy but then she's spying for me too she's yeah. a double spy <laughs> dun, dun, dun. possibly a triple spy um I don't know what's up with Taina like I I think she's just ambitious it's fine yeah um, I'm perfectly we talk about it in our Cersei podcast it's like not really the point. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but basically like every time Cersei uh, every time Jamie is like um I question your judgment, she's like oh, you only have only one hand. <laughs> and she seems to think that this yeah. makes her point. Uh, it was so very she, ironborn of her really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she kicks him out of the room. Uh does she throw wine at him? Or am I imagining that? No. Uh, oh God, I don't. It's, he says, "I love you too, sweet sister." Oh, okay. Uh, I think I'm thinking of a scene in Deep Space Nine where uh, Kira throws her cup of coffee at Dukat. I don't think. I don't think she throws wine at him. I think she's just she, really fucking. Yeah, weird. she throws. She throws wine at Kevin, like in a chapter that's quite close to this in the book. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Jamie though. Yeah. Oh, and th- this whole time they're talking to Jamie's just like, oh, I just want to fuck her. I just really want to fuck her. I shouldn't though. <laughs> it's probably a really bad idea. <laughs> if yeah. only he had like the, had that thought when he was like fifteen, everything would be fine. <laughs> she does like I I don't remember if she hits him because she he does think about turning her blows to passion, and he's done it before, but that was with two hands. So yeah. maybe she's hitting him. I swear I did just listen to these. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's kind of hard to like you know, uh, put all of her verbal abuse of him into like one particular instance it kind of all blends together um so then, definitely not above hitting him or throwing wine at him no definitely not so then he goes back to the white sword tower where like all the the king's guard dudes live and mm. he like compares dicks with loris <laughs> like he's, yeah basically yeah he's he's reading like the white the book, white book right and then he's talking about like all the king's guard and all they accomplished in their in their and Loris is like, I don't like books like that. Yeah, I only porn. like books with gay pornography in them. It's basically what he says. Um, yeah. And then, like, Jamie gets, like, oddly part, like, he gets oddly Stanish for Kristen Cole, who Kylie and I the are the King biggest hang fans of. Oh my god, he could go fuck himself. Yeah, but I think, like, Jamie's kind of just, like, realizing that he is actually in a politically powerful position for the first time. I have like, no interest I, in Kristen Cole at all. I, I think that's the point, that he's like, huh, I'm the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard. I can do shit. Um, yeah, and like he, yeah, maybe he'll be a kingmaker, a queenmaker, or something. Yeah, maybe he'll do it with fewer slut shamey implications, though. That'd be great. He's not on a really good track for that, unfortunately. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's continue. Brienne four. Um, there's not a, God. There's not a whole lot I can say about this because this is this is just uh, Brienne follows Nimble Dick and Pod like obviously to the whispers mm-hmm. and like dick is being super suspicious yeah this Brienne is another is like, chapter really... that's just like very very lyrical and atmospheric 
I love it because mm-hmm. there's like a tension building where Dick is like at one point he's going through their saddlebags and she's like, okay. He's looking for dragons, I understand, but I obviously can't trust this guy. And so she's, you know, she's starting to worry, is this guy going to lead me to my death? Mm-hmm. Then at one point, like, they're going up. The Whispers is like a creepy landscape. Yeah, it's very treacherous. It's very rocky. Yeah, but like, uh, it's, though, the Whispers is a very particular place on Crack Club Point. And Crack Club Point is kind of like this, this port, part of the Crimes Land that's kind of like, mm-hmm. um, I know it's like culturally, it's kind of like the Appalachian Mountains or something. You know, it's it's kind of very distinct and very isolationist, mm-hmm. and the, and the terrain is very difficult. Yeah, she, it's like a mini door. And like as as she's walking, she's thinking about like how she beat all of her suitors in the melee. So mm-hmm. like we know she's a good fighter. Um, I think she's also reflecting on her first arms training. I don't remember if it was in this chapter. At one point, she did. But, like, yeah, the whole thing, she's talking about how her Masters of Arms was just, like, talking about how, like, it's not just having the skill, it's also having kind of, like, the stomach for it. And she's, she's like, questioning whether she does. And kind of, like, like, like she has this kind of growing sense that, like, you know, this is the time where she finds out. Um, oh, she tells that story, too, about that dude with the magic sword. What was it? Oh, uh, I don't care. Yeah, sure. And whatever, the point of the story was honor, which is very thematic. yeah. And like, like the whole thing about like how he never, he never, uh, drew his sword because it was so powerful and it wouldn't be fair or something like that. And mm-hmm. Dick was like, that's stupid. Like somebody would probably kill him and he'd be like, no, no, this is, this is two different stories. There's the, there's the one that he tells about the guy named Crab who was like really big and he had all his decapitated, decapitated enemies in his castle and they whispered to him which is why it's called the whispers and then there's Brienne tells the story about this dude on Tarth who is so honorable when he had a magic sword yes and Dick's like what's the point of having a magic sword if you don't use it and Brienne said the point is honor yeah um anyway at (laughs) a certain point they're like getting higher up onto this cliff face I think is how it's being described yeah it's a very mountainous landscape and Pod notices there's a person on a horse following us yeah so it starts to get even creepier, and there's just this building sense of dread. And finally, they get to a part where, oh, it's the fool. But as it turns out, it's fucking Shagwell, Pig, and Timian. Those were the three people oh, who. They're just like gross people. It's... Timian is a shame on all of Dorn. Well, he's from Dorn, Tucky. Yes. But, uh... <laughs> that is what we decided to make ourselves feel better. <sighs> yeah, well, I really don't think he's adult. So, no. <laughs> but uh, Brienne is like, obviously she has a past with these guys from her mm-hmm. travels in uh, a Storm of Swords, and yeah, they're like being so fucking disgusting. Well, first of all, Shagwell like busts open Dick's knee, and then it goes, "Well, now that's funny," and you're like, "This guy is insane." Yeah, and th- then they're like just threatening her, like, "I'm gonna." rape your nose holes or something yeah like, it's I'm just cut like off your nose. I like absolutely charming stuff like like they're going to cut off her legs and then make make her blow them or something like it's just like all sorts of just like just the most bizarre like sexual imagery you can possibly imagine yeah and <laughs> even so she draws she draws the magic sword because mm-hmm. dick's whole like what's the point of having a magic sword if you don't use it and she's like I guess I have to do this. And yeah. she's even, even with these fucking pieces of shit, she's so hesitant about killing them. Mm-hmm. I mean, she does it. She kills all three of them. She- yeah. I think she even says this is for Jamie once, right? At one point. Yeah. Yeah. 
Er, yeah, yeah. The uh, it's the other dude. She says she, she makes yeah. she makes one of them dig their own grave too, which is disturbing. Sh- yeah, yeah. She it's Shagwell stuff. I think she really draws it out. Yeah, well, well, it's, she it's a it's a grave for Nimble Dick, but like you know, she makes him she makes him dig, and then he like tries to lunge at her. Yeah, maybe it was Timian. I don't remember. Timian tells her uh, the Hound was traveling with a Star Girl though. Mm-hmm. So that's actually a useful piece of information that she got out of this thing. Anyway. Then they're dead. The three of them are dead. And Hyle just kind of like... Yeah, he was like sitting on a stone wall or something, just like watching. He was the dude on the horse. Apparently, yeah. Charlie had like ordered him to follow. And he was just mm-hmm. like, well, that was fun. Yeah. And like this this whole like expedition took like two weeks. So... Yeah. 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 Anyway, next chapter is Brand 5. Yeah. So uh, they go back to Maidenpool and as Kylie wrote, Charlie's brain short circuits worse than Aaron's. Um, yeah. Like he just cannot live in a world where a woman killed three outlaws. Yeah. Just a woman's battle is in the birthing bed, which like they don't make it as badass as the Spartans make it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Cause in Sparta, they had this like role of honor, right? And the only way for you to get on the role of honor was to either die in battle or die in childbirth. Um, fun fact. So, so she tells him that she's going to like uh, hunt down Sandra Clegane, the Hound, uh, because she has information that he was traveling with the Stark Girl, and he's just like, okay, fine, I guess. And uh, but he's really yeah, that's that's how he puts it. Yeah, no, he's he's like, don't fucking come back here. You're not welcome. Yeah, and. He does. Like, he does die. say some useful things, like um, even just to the reader. He clarifies that uh, Beric Dondarrion, uh, his lot didn't have anything to do with salt pans. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, what's really fun is that as he just like he's like, "Fine, you killed them. Your sword killed them. Mm-hmm. Whatever point you're trying to make, you've proven it. Go home." Yeah, she's like, I, "No, I'm like, you know, I have this honorable quest thing. I'm on a hero's journey here." Uh, <laughs> And like, just Charlie is just such an asshole. He's like talking about how, like, he's just he's just like being a rape apologist, basically what he's doing. Um, and we're really not interested in any bullshit justifications for his actions or words. Just BT dubs. Um, but he gilds rapists, just only the ones that he can conceive as rapists. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, how dare Brienne compare herself to real victims, right? Um. So, she went to a bar in a short skirt, Julia. You can't do that. Uh, so Heil is like, I don't know, he, he has like some kind of grudging admiration for her at this point, I think. And he wants to come to but Brienne's like, uh, no, I haven't really forgiven you for that whole thing about where you were like, you know, wagering about my hymen. And, uh, but he tells her that like Charlie's uh, fired him basically just because, yeah. you know, he was standing for yeah. Brienne too much. He also had, like, a cousin that gave him information about Septon Maribald is leaving and Septon Maribald knows something yeah. tangentially related to the hounds. Yeah, so he's just like, I'm going with Septon Maribald. You can also come if you like. Um, and then we meet Septon Maribald, and he's pretty cool. He's, like, this, like, ascetic, like, a traveling, uh, itinerant ascetic, ascetic preacher who's, um, he's like this performed sex addict. <laughs> he likes to talk about it. Um, and he's got this yeah, dog made, named Dog. That made her really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Well, the dog's, the dog's name isn't really Dog. He just like, the dog hasn't told Septon Maribald, 
Mayor Brown his his name, so he calls him Dog. Um, mm-hmm. And they talk about, like they mentioned Nymeria, the the wolf Nymeria, not the princess, um, or the sand snake. Yeah, and how how she's like really fucking shit up in the river. Yeah, she's like queen of a giant pack. And then um, they like well they're talking about like how dangerous the road is because of the wolves and because of the broken men, and that's when he gives his emotionally real broken man speech, which well, is very Pod, moving. Pod asks. Pod asks, are they outlaws? Yeah. And Brian says, more or less. And then Maribald's like, less rather than more. Yeah. And, we, and then he, he took. We learned quite a bit about him and how he's a broken man. So. Well, it, it was a very war as hell speech, but it's yeah. like, it's one of the best passages Martin wrote, probably. Um, yeah. It's definitely widely considered so in the fandom. Yeah. I mean, I'm a fan of it. It's just I think it's a little overhyped, but that's fine. <laughs> I mean, like it's it's kind of like Frozen at this point, right? Like it's not that it's a bad movie at all. It's a very good movie, but like, yeah, <laughs> it's a little overhyped. It, maybe you could read Doran. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's the end of that chapter. The next chapter is Jamie three, and uh, he's still fucking in King's Landing. It actually takes him a while to get on the road, which I mm-hmm. didn't realize. Yeah. Um, but basically, Cersei orders him to go fi- lift the siege at River Run or like break the siege at River Run. Is he seriously still at King's Landing while she's at the Whispers? Yeah. Oh my god, I did not realize this until this moment. Okay. You, but he like kind of begs her not to because of his vow to take up, like not to take up arms against House Tully or House Stark and Cersei's like, yeah, that was a vow you made while drunk with a sword pointed at your throat. Which, you know, and villain has a point. I hate Cersei, but she has a point. Mm. And I also love Cersei, and <laughs> I would be her tiny to marry weather. It's yeah. very complicated. You should listen to her episode about Cersei. Ah, oh, she's the best. <laughs> anyway, uh, so he he goes, the first thing he does is go to fetch Ellen Payne. He's like, hey, buddy, want to come on a journey with me? Yeah. And, Bro trip! And Payne is, like, not well. Yeah. Is the impression you get. Like, his room is, like, his, his room is like quarters. overflowing with shit, and yeah, he's he's like this man only lives for killing. Like this, is... yeah, like everything is dirty in his room except for his sword, which is immaculate. It's really creepy. Anyway, um, th- so they set out and they go to Castle Hayford, like is the first place, and I think that's where he's trying to like wear the golden hand to drink wine, and everyone's like praising it so much, and then he's like, "Well, if you fucking like it so much, chop off your own hand, and I'll give it to you." Uh, <laughs> Because he like spills wine with it. Yeah, and I like uh, I like the little baby lady, <laughs> and her and her yeah. bling. <laughs> she's got a really blingy dress. <laughs> but she's that. like five months old. <laughs> yeah, because she's like the she's like three. Yeah. She's like three. No, no, she's she's, she's still a, she's still nursing. Is she? Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Cause yeah, she's, and she's, she's married like the... to Tyrek. Oh my god. <laughs> It's fucking world. It's so fucked up. <laughs> well, because, you know, then the Lannisters can claim her lands because that's how it works. she was three. This is so messed up. <laughs> She's not walking, I can tell you that. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Jamie begins practicing with Illin Payne at night because he doesn't it's want anyone secret. to know how bad he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Payne can't tell anyone, obviously, how bad mm-hmm. he is. So that must anyway. be hell on earth. I mean, like to be like not be able to speak and be illiterate and all that stuff, not be able to communicate at all. Yeah, it sounds kind of horrible. But pain sounds not again not right. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, like you know, what's the cause and effect there? Yeah, I I wonder. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, they get to Harrenhal in the same chapter, 
And mm-hmm. it was like this. It's still those idiots in charge of it. Um, yeah, the bloody like the same members. people. The blood, yeah, as when they left and. No, no, Jamie it's not finally, the bloody members now. It's the mountains men. Yeah, it's mountains men. Yes, yeah, so, and they're very, they're very loyal to Sir. They keep talking about Sir. Mm-hmm. That's Sir's Gregor Clegane. Yeah, yeah the yeah, the bloody members are the ones that they've uh, dismembered and fed to people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they're really not treating prisoners well. There's, like, some important prisoners, like yeah, the Manderly like, dude. Yeah, like the heir to White Harbor. Mm-hmm. They're not very politically so, astute in that respect. And Jamie already hates all of these guys because of his experience being there. And he just, yeah. he doesn't, yeah, he he's not a huge fan of the mountains people yeah he doesn't he doesn't attract a good lot um i think raf the sweetling is with them i yeah, remember that raf the sweetling is like uh the one there who like uh discussed in the least i suppose well raf is like willing to answer questions and not be a piece of shit yeah and he's not like completely dead drunk yeah that's... but then there's shit shit mouth shit mouth is entertaining oh my god shit <laughs> shit mouth is awful <laughs> Fuck me with the bloody spear. It's a useful phrase. I use it all the time. And Jimmy's like, alright. <laughs> Fuck him with the spear. Uh, he orders all the prisoners to be released, mm-hmm. and then, like, Pia's among them, so, like, there's yeah. a whole thing where she's set free, and one of the mountain men tries to rape her again, and he, like, kills, has him killed, and the guy's, like, really confused by yeah. this. He's like, but I've had her hundreds of times before. We all have. Yeah. Um, and Pia's, like, had her teeth smashed in, too, and all that. Yeah, because she... Um, she spoke when uh, Gregor Clegane went in silence, apparently. And yeah. Pia, Pia and- uh, if you don't recall, is uh, the woman that Kyburn sent to uh, make Jamie. Jamie feel better after he lost his hand. Maybe back in the store of swords. Yeah. And he actually didn't go through with it, but he was obviously kind of like, you know, Pia was kind of... Hot, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah Tempting. Yeah. Well, I think she represents something for him, kind of like... Um, his uh, his ability to kind of be in control of his own sexuality, I suppose. Because like with yeah. Cersei, he feels that like he's not in control. Cause he's like he can't he can't help himself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't remember if it's this chapter or the next chapter, but there is one where as he's bathing, he like gets a erection looking at her. Yeah, that's like, a dairy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the next chapter, but, yeah. Um, anyway, releasing the prisoners and, like, helping, you know, get, bringing justice to the raper and stuff, he feels really good about it. Yeah, He's like, maybe I can become Golden Hand the Just. Yeah. Uh, anyway, then he goes outside to the bear pit and Red Ronnet's there and, like, super drunk. What about the like, super pious, uh, night guy who, uh, who's going to be running here all now? Who was, uh... Oh! Oh, yeah! squeezes with, uh, Rayella. Yeah, that was really fucking weird. And he's like mm-hmm. a huge fan of. Isn't he like a Lancel stan? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, because Lancel's also super pious. Yeah, and Jamie's like, all right, whatever, have fun with your handful. I don't care. <laughs> but yeah, he goes outside to the bear pit, and Red Ronan's there, and like, maybe drunk, maybe not. But he's like, I want to see Brienne. Is it true that she, like where where this happened? Like, is it true they made her fight naked? And Jamie's like, no. <laughs> And he's like, I was supposed to be wed to her. And Jamie's like, I can't believe this. She never mentioned being betrothed. <laughs> yeah. She's been betrothed three times, of course. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Ronan's like, yeah, she was a sow and a 
silk dress or whatever. Yeah. When did she think about that? Because, um, yeah, she was betrothed three times, right? Once she was betrothed to like just like this like random kid about her age who died kind of mm-hmm. uh, randomly of a fever. Um, and then she, she was betrothed to an old dude, wasn't she? But then she was betrothed to Connet, uh, Red Ronnet Connington. Connet. Mm-hmm. Connet. Yes, Red Ronnet Connington. Connet. Uh, it makes sense. Okay. And, uh, and then she was betrothed to an old dude who was all like telling her how she would have to be a submissive wife. And she's like, fine, if you can beat me. Yeah. Then. And then she goes, uh, what is the name of that Greek heroine who did the same thing? Atalantia. Yes. She pulls an yeah. Atalantia on him and is like, I'll only marry if you can defeat me in battle. And then she ends up like breaking like three of his ribs or something. <laughs> and then her dad's like, all right, I'm not going to arrange anything for you again. <laughs> yeah. It's all right, sweetie. You could be a warrior maid. Yeah. I'll take pictures I really, and give out I, orange slices. I really like to think that Selwyn is a proud papa. Yeah, we hope so. We, we don't know for sure, but you know, he does seem pretty accepting. Yeah, well, um, in A Clash of Kings, uh, Renly says something to the effect of, like, oh, you're all that your father promised, which kind of uh, paints the picture of him, like, writing a letter to Renly going, I'm sending you my daughter. She's so awesome. So, you know. She's really good at fighting. Yeah. But yeah, so Jamie, so Jamie gets so mad about Red Ronnet talking shit on Brienne that he punches him. Yeah, and he's like, "You're talking about a highborn lady," <laughs> and it's very platonic, I'm sure. Yes, uh, <laughs> he's platonically defending her honor. Um, Next chapter, this is chapter, Jamie yeah, Moore. it's also Jamie's chapter, and he's at Derry. Uh, I really like this chapter because um, <clears throat> Amy's a, a peach. <laughs> I like Amy. Yeah, so he's I at like Derry too. I love her. Which She's is very, the castle. Um, Miranda Royce. Yeah. So, yeah, Derry is the castle that Lancel Lannister is the ruling, at least nominally. Because, mm. like, you know, Lannisters are snatching up all the lands now. Um, but he was married to uh, Gatehouse Amy Frey. <laughs> they call her Gatehouse Amy because she'll open her portcullis for anyone. Charming, Oh, right? my God. Yeah. I fucking hate Westeros. Uh... But no, like apparently, apparently, like because uh, her father is uh, the Merit who had the epilogue in *A Storm of Swords*, and apparently he had to marry her off to a hedge knight after he found her having a threesome in the stables. So <laughs> 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 she's my hero. Um, yeah. So, um, so her mother is a dairy who were the previous owners of this castle, obviously. Uh, so he's kind of marrying her to legitimize his. Land grab, um, so there's lots of uh, sparrows there uh, for Lancel, and there's lots of Frasers as well who came with Amy, and uh, Lancel is he gives uh, Jamie his bedroom because he's in the sept uh, praying. Like Jamie still hasn't seen him at this point, and Amy's like, "This is stupid. I don't know why he won't be in bed, but whatever." Yeah, she's like, you know, <laughs> I want to have sex all of a sudden. Come on, um, even though like. Lancel may or may not be incapable of having sexual intercourse at this point because he sustained very serious injuries. She doesn't seem particularly interested in Lancel, like, overly. She seems just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Well, there's this other guy there who she's, like, mooning after, right? And she's obviously... If she's not fucking him already, she will be soon, as Jamie says. And uh, There's one he- point, too, where she's, like, asking Jamie to do something and she, like, touches his golden hand and is like... <laughs> rubbing it seductively and he's like does she think i can feel this <laughs> yeah but yeah uh jamie is very concerned about the horns that lancel will soon have um mm-hmm. so, so then he plays uh cupid with uh 
uh, Pia and one of his squires, Peck. Uh, yeah. I guess. He he at least is like, don't rape her and be nice. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, so. it's, it's all very, like, men are not virgins. Um, yeah. So then they have, yeah. <laughs> so, baby steps, Jamie, baby steps. Um, so then they all have dinner, and Strong Boar is there, who's one of the Lancel Bannermen. Uh, what's his real name? Craycall? I don't know. I just call him Strong Boar. <laughs> yeah. Better. Fine. So, uh, Amy and her mother. It's, Ly- it's Lyle Craycall. Mariah? Yeah. Yeah, like, okay, cool. Um, Amy and her mother, Mariah, are talking about all the shit that's going down in the River Ends, um, including um, these stories about the Hound who's leading this pack of outlaws who's doing all sorts of just, like, the most horrible things. And Beric Dondarrion, too. And so Strong Boar, he tells Amy uh, that he will kill the Hound for her. And Amy's just... She moved of... him. Yeah. Amy's just like, whatever... <laughs> This is boring, and my husband's yeah, boring. Like my husband is complete wet blanket. Yeah. <laughs> so Jamie and goes she's to still sad about her blanket. dad, which is yeah. kind of humanizing. Yeah, well, yeah he, he goes to the sept, but he has to like get through this like cordon of sparrows first. Who <laughs> they're eating all the sausages. Yeah, and they say that he can't go in, and Jamie's like, "I'll fucking kill you." And Lancelot comes out, and he's like, "Just let him in. It's fine." It, it reminds mm-hmm. me a lot of um, the Adventure Time episode where the Ice King comes to, like, hang out with Marceline. And <laughs> Finn and Jake are like, oh, we'll, we'll take care of him for you. And Marceline's like, nah, it's okay. <laughs> he can hang. It's all right. Yeah. So uh, Lancel goes in there. Or Lancel and Jamie both go in there and they're talking about their life. And how they both like fucking Cersei. <laughs> don't know. Yeah, they're very open about it. Yeah. But they and Jamie. Jamie is like, oh, that whore. Yeah, it's very. Um, it's very. What's the word I'm looking for? Slut, Jamie. Yeah, I was. I think I was looking for a stronger word. I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll come up with it. I mean, it's very. <laughs> it's sexist. That's what it is. Yeah, and uh, Lancel is kind of like whatever. Which which of the twelve steps is the making amends with everybody step? He's kind of in that mode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he apologizes to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he, sa- he tells her that, he tells him that he's decided to renounce his lordship and his wife and go join the warrior's sons. Which sounds like an awesome idea, Lancel. You do be you. you. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, Kevin was apparently not happy at all and they fought, so that's why Kevin left. Yeah. And, Poor uh, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin has a really shitty life. Um, That's the long and short of it. Yeah. And, yeah. And then what happens... Um, yeah, he, he goes to have his uh, nightly sparring session with Ilan Payne. And he tells him about the last time that he was at Derry, which was actually in uh, in a Game of Thrones. But it was the incident that happened with uh, Nymeria and Joffrey and Sansa in their drunken date was actually at Derry. Is King's Road Gate, yeah. Yeah. I call it the drunken date. Because um, they drunk are drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Drunk Nun was drunk. <laughs> Just Sansa well, and Joffrey. Why was Drunk Nun not shepherding? <laughs> what was this? Because <laughs> she's very incompetent. Oh, and anyway, God. um... 
so that was actually at Derry, and Cersei was really, really pissed off about like the wolf biting Joffrey, and she actually wanted to have a nine-year-old uh, girl's hands amputated for it. Very charming. Um, but uh, she and Robert were yelling about it, and Robert got drunk and passed out, and then Cersei asked Jamie to come in and was like, what, you want me to like move his drunken corpse into bed or whatever? And she's like, no, no, I want you to fuck me like next to him. And that's what happened. Charming and he's story. like, yeah, if he woke up, he would have killed, I would have killed him. And then like, if I found Arya, I would have uh, found Arya, yeah. I would have killed her too. And uh, yeah. yeah, Ill and Payne laughs at him. Yeah, charming. He was charmed, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> on to Brienne 6. <laughs> it's the Quiet Isle chapter. Yay, uh, I guess. I'm... If anyone was, you know, wondering, hey, does Martin like Tolkien? Yeah. Because uh, the first part of the chapter is, is Maribald seriously being Gollum and leading Frodo and Sam through the marshes? Like, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. They get to the Quiet Isle. And there's this, uh, there's Septon there, like, this one person can talk every seven days if they're in a certain rank. And this guy's like, oh, you're yeah. a woman. That's weird. And Maribald's like, she's a warrior maid. It's yeah. cool. Proctors. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then they're like walking up because they're gonna go talk to the elder brother, and along the way there's a grave digger who's really shitty at his job because he's a novice, and mm. it's it's a he's very large. not subtle Easter egg. Yeah, he likes dogs, mm. and he has a bad leg, mm-hmm. and he keeps his cowl up so he can't see his face. <laughs> this is not subtle. Anyway, no. they get they get to the elder brother, mm. and the elder brother tells them about like the salt pans raid and he's he doesn't actually seem vet fussed about uh brand's mm-hmm. sex which is like more than i said sex because that's what they say in Westeros. what the fuck this is what listening to the audiobooks does to you about her gender mm-hmm. um because uh he just he's like okay you're a warrior maid that's fine but he's like if you're gonna do that then i'm gonna tell you that these uh the septa had her boobs chewed off by the people at top bands and it was really disgusting yeah. and uh yeah, Quincy Cox was like the the dude looking over the saw. What was it? The yeah, Lord, the Knight, I think. Yeah, and he just, Lord. he just there hid. are subtle differences. He just hid in his yeah. He hid like in his castle. Dude. He couldn't have done much, but Brand's like you had to have tried. Like this is ridiculous. Um, and you know, then after dinner. The elder brother takes Brienne to her woman's only cottage, and he's like, "Pod, you can't sleep with her." She, mm-hmm. she, because Pod's like, "I want to sleep with Sir, the, my lady." Mm-hmm. Yeah, not like her. sleep with her, sleep with her, like sleep in the same room. Yeah, because yeah. that's what they do. And yeah. the elder brother's like, "Whatever you do on your own time," as if they're like having these wild, sexy times. <laughs> it's like, okay, dude. Yeah, this is a maternal relationship. Yeah, he's like a little like twelve-year-old boy. He's not Whatever. even twelve. Is yeah, he's, he's young. like ten. He's yeah. like my sonian. He's real young. All these boys are like my sonian. Like I can't believe that kids that age are doing this kind of shit. Really, I know, I know. Um. Anyway, so then elder brother like he's like I think we need to talk about Sandor, and he tells her a very oddly specific story about mm-hmm. his death. Not, not how, about like, Sandor though. It's always just the hound. Like the hound, the hound. died. The hound died, and then, oh, so Sandor said he is at peace, and you're like, this mm-hmm. is very 
It was very Obi-Wan talking about, you know, Anakin yeah. was killed by Darth Vader, and you're like, okay, I think there's something you're not telling me. Does this have anything to do with the gravedigger that likes the dogs? Does this have anything to do with the Clegane Ball? But the long, oh my god, the long and short of it is that he, um, the dude riding around as the hound is just someone using his helm. It's not the hound. Yeah. Because Elder Brother, like, kind of stupidly left the helmet kind of there. He, he also <laughs> confirms for. He al- yeah, he also confirms for Brienne that um, it was Arya with Sandor, not Sansa. Yeah. Cause th- and he was like, but I can assure you she's long gone. And he's like, you really should go home. This is just futile. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just go home. You have a father. Like, he loves you, I'm sure. Like, be a good daughter. You could have a normal life. And yeah. Brienne has this, like, breakdown that's just so beautiful. It's like... Why don't you read a selected passage from that? Sure, sure, sure. I'll get it up right now. Yeah, so the elder brother just says, if I, if you were to ask him, I know he would tell you he would sooner have a living daughter than a shattered shield. And she goes, a daughter. Rianne's eyes filled with tears. He deserves that. A daughter who could sing to him and grace his halls and bear him grandsons. He deserves a son, too. A strong and gallant son to bring honor to his name. Uh, and then she talks like her siblings died. I am the was only named tra- One of them was named Ariane. The other was named Alisane, Mormon. Like, stop us. <laughs> I am the child the gods love and keep. There's Galadin. I'm the I'm the only child the gods let him keep. The freakish one, not fit to be a son or a daughter. All of it came pouring out of Brienne. Then, so she like recounts everything, you know, from Jamie crying sapphire, like all of it, every mm. everything that happened, nimble dick, all the men she killed. I have to find her. She finished. There are others looking, all wanting to capture and sell her to the queen. I have to find her first. I promise, Jamie, oath keeper. I name the sword. I have to try and save her or die in the attempt. Don't touch me. <sighs> Don't touch me. Next chapter. Next chapter is Jamie V. I love Roman numerals. Uh, <laughs> the Roman numerals aren't official, actually. They're just something that fans add on. Um, so Jamie has finally arrived in River Run. Yay! Or he's not actually at River Run yet. He's like a day away. Um, <laughs> so he gets the lowdown from his co- his cousin, uh, David, who um, Cersei has actually appointed Warden of the West, so she could fuck with their uncle somewhere. Uh, and David's we learned an idiot, this- too. Like, what the hell? He's kind of um very dude broy. Like he's the yeah. one who talks talks about Gatehouse Amy and her portcullis. Um Yeah, and he keeps like he's... making dude bro jokes with Jamie David's like, um Alright. <laughs> he's engaged to be married to a fray, which mm-hmm. uh, some people are speculating might lead to Red Winning two point Uh but whatever. So basically what we learn is that all the Freys are stupid, <laughs> but Ryman Frey who's yeah, Ryman Frey, who is the heir right now, the heir to the twins right now, is like beyond stupid. He's the most stupidest of all the stupids. And he's doing this whole thing where he's set up a gallows and he <laughs> puts poor, he puts, it's not funny, Kylie. He it's puts, funny how like bad of an idea this is. <laughs> he puts poor Edward Tully up at the gallows every morning and says, if you don't surrender the castle, I'm going to hang him. And he's been like doing this every day for months. So obviously he's not going to follow through on this threat. No, not if it's every morning, obviously. Yeah. And then there's all the, the river lords that have surrendered after the Red Wedding, and, like, who've bent their knees, as they say, and they're, like, not super helpful either, because they obviously, like, really, really hate the phrase, and they hate the Lannisters. And they didn't bring all that many people, too. Yeah. And, like, they're kind of, like, they all, like, brought the absolute minimum that they can get away with, and, like, anyone who has an excuse not to be there 
didn't come. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's only really the Blackwoods that are holding out, uh, like River Run and the Blackwoods that are holding out. But yeah. the rest of them, like, aren't super committed. And yeah, Davin's a slut-timing toad. And um, they get to River Run. And that's when we meet Auntie Jenna. I oh love God. her. I love Jenna so much. Yeah, and she comes to pay a visit at his tent. Like, it's the first thing that happens is she brings her, like, useless prey husband, who's just, like... He's like, my paper says I should be running River Run. And she's like, your paper's worthless. Go away. <laughs> yeah, because he's been named Lord uh, Lord of River Run. He thinks this makes him Lord Paramount of the Trident, which it doesn't. Um, but he's, like, really attached to this idea. He's just... Yeah, he's dumb. And, um, and he keeps, like, yeah, you know, all he does is eat sour leaf and, and, like, talk about his piece of paper. And Jenna's like, no one wants to hear about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jamie thinks about how, like, she spent their entire marriage, like, sleeping with hot dudes behind his back and things like that. <laughs> I love Jenna. Yeah. And he's just, like, kind of, like, uh, and she's like, what the fuck is up with Cersei? Like, why did she arm the faith? That was really stupid. And he's just like, I don't know. I don't know what Cersei does. Um, she's saying, I'm sure she had her reasons. And Jen's like, okay, well, you know, Mager, like, made those laws for fucking reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I, I wonder, I, I want to read her speech. I just have to find it. Think of a phrase in it that I can search. Um, Jamie, she said, tugging on his ear, sweetling. I have known you since you were a babe at Joanna's breast. You smile at Jerry and, like Jerry and fight like Tig. And there's some of Kevin in you, else you would not wear that cloak. But Tyrion is Tywin's son, not you. I once said so to your father's face, and he would not speak to me for half a year. Men are such thundering great fools, even the sore who come along once in a thousand years. So, yeah, that is yeah. what she thinks of the Lannister parallels. Um, and we actually take her word for it. <laughs> well, it's not like she's not borne out by the text. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not it's not just yeah. because like oh she said this. It's just we think she has a good read. Like she she was purposely built to have a good read on the situation. Yeah. Um and her words really affect Jamie too moving forward. Yeah. And um I know there's something about like old women in Westeros in this world how like um they all develop this kind of misandry. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, as soon as soon as, like, they can get away with that kind of stuff because, like, you know, they're menopausal and they've lost all their sexual power slash fear. <laughs> they can just, just, like, like be like... men. Yeah. Everyone's stupid. <laughs> I hate My this stupid. <laughs> yeah. Because like, Elena's the exact same way. Yeah, that's really uh, true. It's just like, what's the, what could the patriarchy do to me at this point? Yeah. Fuck everything. <laughs> Alright, next chapter is Brienne's chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is like... I, if I just describe what happens, it's not really that long, I guess. she They get to the end of the crossroads. It's Maribald and Pod and uh, Heil still and, you know, all mm-hmm. that. And there's like a bunch of kids with crossbows. Yeah, and, they're hiding out in the inn. And Gendry is also there who, uh, what's his face, Dotrice pronounces as Gendry and that's like, mm-hmm. I, maybe maybe that's what it's supposed to be, I don't know. Um, and Brienne, like, thinks it's Renly. because yeah, he looks this... so much like him. And she calls, you may him, recall... she calls him my lord, and he's like, what the fuck are you yeah, on about? you may recall he is one of Robert's illegitimate children. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like, spooky, but then she realizes, like, no, his eyes are super angry, and Renly's eyes were never angry. And, I don't know, anything I thought of Gendry before this, like, Brienne's take on Gendry is very different mm-hmm. uh, well, than he's Arya's. Been th- he's been through a lot of shit since then. Yeah, and, like, Things have not been good here. Like, basically, it's just this end of these, like, little, like, like, t- 
tons of kids, yeah, and they're all orphans like, at yeah, this point. These brutalized children, basically. And they, all they do is like eat horse and be wary of strangers. Mm-hmm. Is like their mode of operation. And it, there's an older, the, the oldest girl there is like eleven. Yeah, and she's Willow, and she's running the show. And Brienne's like, huh. Okay, she's not conventionally attractive. She has brown hair and brown eyes, and authority comes really naturally to her. Like, maybe this is Arya. Uh, so, she, you know, she's still concentrating on the quest. Mm-hmm. At the same time, Maribald, like, makes stew and whatever. Uh, Brienne, Pod asks Brienne, like, my lady, like, where are we going? And, because this is the crossroads. It's literally the King's Road intersects with the road to the Trident, the road north, and the road to the Erie. Yeah. And she's like, we're going to dinner. And <laughs> has no answer for him. Yeah. So they have, like, this nice family dinner, except there's, like, a naked child crawling across the table and stuff. That's it's pretty like, normal. A little weird. <laughs> and Gendry won't pray to the gods. Then he, like, storms out because he's kind of full of angst and... Rilor. Brienne. Yeah. He's full. He's got the relore on him. <laughs> and uh, Brienne, like, wraps up food to take outside for him. And she wants to talk to him because she basically wants to be like, yo, you're Robert's bastard. <laughs> and she, she, like, starts Gendry to doesn't tell know, him. Like, Gendry, like, either doesn't know or, like, won't admit it to himself or something. Remember, remember when he almost fucked his sister? <laughs> yeah, that was uncomfortable. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> I forgot that happened. Oh, my God. It's gonna ring her bell. Almost. Well, remember, a secret sibling. It's <laughs> <laughs> my premise. Great premise. <laughs> anyway, so she's about to, like, tell him outright you're fucking the king's bastard mm-hmm. when these riders come up and Kendry's like, they're friends, don't worry about it. But they're not. They're not who Gendry thought they were either. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. Rorge wearing the hound's helm. Yeah. And Biter's there and like five other dudes and a couple of them are injured. So she's like, fuck, you know. Uh, Willow comes out with a crossbow and tells them to like go away and they're like, I'm gonna take the crossbow and fuck you up the ass with it. And it's so charming. Yeah, Willow's like freaked out. So Brienne's like, I have no choice. I have to try to defend these kids. So mm-hmm. she draws her sword. Uh, she gets really lucky in that Rorge is like, okay, I'll fight you myself, like, one-on-one. Yeah. Without, uh, other, you know, and everyone just stops to watch because that's kind of how bros are. Then her advice that her master at arms had given her, which is like, save your energy. Yeah. They're going to try to make short work of you. Like, you've got yeah, this. Because, and- like, you, if, like, if, like, they'll all underestimate you and, like, if they think that if it takes too long to defeat you, that's like, you know. Black work Shameful. against them and everything. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So so she she fights a really good fight against Rorge actually, and and she as she stabs him and like twists her blade, she shouts sapphires. Uh, so she won, yay! Except uh, Biter launches onto her, knocks her, her sword goes flying, and basically uh, begins to devour her. And yeah. that is where the chapter ends. Well, the chapter ends with uh, Gendry stabbing him to the back of the head. And it's like this really cool, it's this is like really weird kind of gross image where she thinks it's his tongue. Like the, the yeah. point of the sword is her tongue. It's it's a cool image. It is a cool image. Yeah, there's fighting in the background as she's like, but her, yeah. he was chewing her cheek off. Her. Yeah. Ugh. It's not pleasant at all. No, not pleasant. 
the next chapter is. <laughs> I love this chapter. chapter. This is one of my favorite chapters. Um, it's <laughs> no, it's just, it's just, it's, it's begging to be filmed. That's what I love about this chapter. Well, maybe, maybe we'll get it. Who knows? Yeah, sure. Um, so it starts with uh, Jamie. He's still at Riverrun, and he's having a parlay with uh, the Blackfish with Brendan Tully. Uh, like you know, they they do the whole peace flag thing, and they meet on the drawbridge, and. But Brendan is up, uh, he has absolutely no intention of listening to any of Jamie's terms. He thinks he's just like a honorless loser. And he throws like cat in his face and everything. And, uh, Jamie, like, he considers, he considers telling her about like, you know, how he sent somebody on a quest to find her daughters, but he doesn't because themes. Um, <laughs> so then he goes back to the, to the camp and he holds this like awesome war council with all of the phrase and the river lords and, and the western like, lords. Obviously, what I love about this, first of all, Jenna shows up and she sits on the stool and she's just like, <laughs> anyone think I should be here? Yeah. And no one says anything to her. But like the, the other thing about that is, uh, obviously what she said to him really got to him. Mm-hmm, Cause he's all like, because- oh, I'm gonna be just like Tywin and Tywin always stood there stoically and let everybody else talk first. <laughs> Which was a great plan, except that it just devolves mm-hmm. into this, like, shit fest. Yeah, everyone's, like, well, threatening like, to I- kill each other. Well, everyone's I- ideas are really stupid. Like, yeah, Adam, go scale those walls with your grappling hooks. That's no, a great my favorite, idea. My favorite one is where they're going to put shit on the arrows and then shoot them with it so they'll die of massive infections. <laughs> and, like, I'll, everyone's outraged at that. It's because it's, like, a, a fray guy. Is it Hostein? Who? Suggest that I forget, but um, one of the Frey guys and everyone is just like this. Just proves exactly how unhonorable all you Frey dudes are, and it like devolves to a fight where like Piper starts yelling about how his son is still being held hostage, and uh, the Freys are just like, yeah, uh, and the Freys are like, you know, like you people are traitors and everything, and Jamie's just like, well, you're like twice the traitor. Like first you went with the black with the young wolf, and then you betrayed him, so you're. You're uh, twice as dishonorable as Piper, or whatever. He's not a fan of the phrase. So um, no one's a fan of the phrase. Yeah. So he says, "You know what? Fuck it. We're going to attack the castle at first light." Um, then he grabs and Illy- he- And it's funny because he's just like, "I guess I broke one vow. Why not another?" Yeah. It's yeah. And so then he grabs Ilan Payne and they head to the Frey camp to visit Edmure Tully. Poor, poor, poor Edmure Tully. Uh, and he just does this whole thing where, because uh, Ryman Frey, who's who's supposed to be like the leader of the the Frey contingent, because you know he's heir to the twins now, which is kind of terrifying. Um, he didn't show up to the war council, and his son was just like, "Yeah, my father has like a tummy ache." And everyone's like, "Oh, you mean he's hungover? Uh, like, is he drunk or is he hungover?" That's what they asked. Yeah, yeah. So he passes by his tent, and he hears like women giggling and music and things like that, and he just like kind of rolls his eyes. And then he thinks he's a Martell. And then, um, yeah, so he goes, he goes to the top of the gibbet, or whatever it is, and yeah, Edmure is like, dude, please kill me. Uh, he's like, better a sword than a muse, I don't give a shit yeah. at this point, just kill me. And Ryman shows up with his, like, girlfriend, who's the queen of the whores. She's wearing Rob Stark's crown, like the bronze and iron crown. And, like, she's got, like, her boobs out and everything. And he says some very, very mean things about Cersei. Uh, Jamie does. Yeah, well... Yeah. So, basically... Well, she says, I'm the queen of the whores, and he goes, that's my sister. Yeah. So, basically, he cuts, like, the noose off of uh, Edmure's neck. He 
punches Ryman in the face, and he, he ba- takes he, the crown. Yeah, he takes the crown, and he fires. He fires him. He tells Ryman to go home, and like when he gets there, he needs to release all the Frey prisoners because this is like bullshit. No, no he doesn't do that. Does he do that yet? Yeah, it's he, no, right, he, does, he doesn't he... do that to the next chapter. Does he? No, this is right here when he does. Oh, it. he has to do it again because he dies. Okay. Um. Yeah, I just listened to it. Trust me. Yeah, I no, I think Ryman keeps the crown because then Lady Stoneheart has it, right? Possible. Yeah. Yeah. Like, whatever. Either way, he t- he tells him to take it off the sex worker. Yeah, I know that. And then, yeah, so he he takes Edmure back to his uh to his tent, and he like gets a bath ready for him. And but then he- it's gross, like all the dirt comes yeah. off in clumps. But like this this scene is like so cinematic, like uh like kind of like the one thing I know I could never do is direct. <laughs> like you know, like I kind of know that that is something I would never be able to do. But like this, like particular scene, like oh, I can sure. see it in my brain, like how it would be blocked. <laughs> shot reverse shots, right? Yeah, shot, shot reverse shots and lots of uh, close-ups of the crotch. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but like the whole thing with like, like, because like you know they describe like uh, you know the squire is kind of standing there trying not to listen, and Pia there with clothes, and and Mir- and Mira in the bathtub, kind of like looking at like the water flowing from his like from between his fingers, and like Jamie there. And there's there's a bard tuning his strings. Yes, because uh, yeah, Thomas Evans, yeah, Tom- yeah. Anyways, it's a really like 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 you can just kind of picture it in your brain. I really love it. And he does this whole like carrot and stick thing that Jamie does to Edmure, and he's just like, okay, so basically here are your choices. Like tomorrow I'm going, or like no after your bath, I'm going to send you to River Run. And you can either, you have like 24 hours or, I think he had longer than that, I forget. But like, yeah. basically your choices are, you can talk, you can talk your uncle into, or you can order your uncle, basically, to uh, surrender the castle. And, you know, I'll give like fairly generous terms. I'll let like, you know, the garrison go. I'll let your uncle take the black. And Yeah, uh, he yeah. says Edmure gets to be a like prisoner, but he's, tr- or he's going to be a hostage at, Casterly Rock, but he'll be treated to all the comforts of someone befitting his rank. Yeah, and uh, what's important is that I don't think we mentioned it that his wife, uh, Rosman Frey, who he married at the Red Wedding, is pregnant. Pregnant, and it, and it's you know she was hoping for a girl because if it's a boy, then Edmure's dead. Yeah. Uh, but the the thing about that, too, he says like your wife can go with you. If it's a boy, he can squire or something like that. Yeah, like she a, said, like, he'll give him like some lands when he grows up and everything like that. If, if, if it's a girl, I'll see that she has a nice dowry, all that. Um, or, or or I can storm I the can, castle and I will send all of your bannermen in first. And then when they die, I'll send all the phrase. Yeah. So my westermen won't go in until pretty much they're all dead mm-hmm. and I will put everyone to death and in there. I'll send your child to you. By a trebuchet. With a trebuchet. And he's so proud of that line. He's so proud. And then he's like, who is Tywin's son now, Jenna? I'm going to kill your baby just like my dad. <laughs> and, like, to be fair, like, this is a really good tactic on Jamie's part. Mm-hmm. This is the... He lifted the siege at River Run. Like, he did what he needed to do. And this really was the best way to go about it, probably. Mm-hmm. Or the surest. But, no, Jamie, it's still Tyrion. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You tried. You tried your best, buddy. And that's really good enough for you. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but no, it, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty cool chapter. Yeah. Anyway, next is Brienne. And she is having a fever dream of thematic significance. Very thematic significance. It's, you know, she's seeing faces of everyone being like, 
she sees Renly. Yeah, she's like incorporating. Warps into Gendry yeah. and. She's incorporating things that are happening. Yeah, well, cause she's, she's strung up on a horse and she's like, her wrists are tied and she's being led somewhere to, to Stoneheart by like, you know, the, the people who were the Brotherhood Without Banners. Now they're just like Stoneheart's people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's like thinking about Jamie in his fever dream. She's thinking about Renly in this fever yeah, dream. Apparently it's she's like- screaming Jamie's name like, uh, not in- inconvenient, uh, not infrequent intervals. She is screaming Jamie's name. Yeah, so uh, they all think she's kind of like Lannister scum. And mm-hmm. she, she at one point she ends up in she she has like a poultice on her face, so mm-hmm. they like were trying to help her out, but she does have like a fair amount of skin missing. Yeah, and anyway. Th- at one point when she's a little more lucid, her fever breaks and she's in a cave with Thoros and he's pretty chatty. He's just like, yeah, yeah you know, things are different than they used to be now and war has made us, I don't know, whatever. There's a, he's not blasé about it. I'm just being weird. But <laughs> he talks about that barracks dead and there's a grimmer shadow in his yeah. place. And yeah, all this leads to basically Brienne being put on trial with Lady Stoneheart. Yeah. And they're, quizzing her about her vow that she made to Catelyn. And Brienne's obviously not connecting this, like, crazy woman with Cat yet, but uh, she's very damned in the fact that she's carrying around Oathkeeper, which is this bastardized half of ice. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Tywin was a real dick with what he did with that. And uh, then she also has a piece of paper with the King's seal, King Tommen's seal, saying that she's, like, going about Lannister business. So, yeah, basically, Lady Stoneheart lowers her hood, and <laughs> it's cat. Wow, mind fuck much. It's disgusting too because she's like talking by holding her throat together, and like Thoros is translating half the time because we have no idea what she's saying. It's just gross. It's just gross as shit. She basically tells Brienne, "Okay, you're not with the Lannisters, then prove it. You have to kill Jamie, or I'm gonna hang you." And Brand's like, no, I'm not going to make that choice because honor. And <laughs> Cat's like, all right, that, or uncat or Stoneheart. She's like, not cat. Uh, yeah. She's like, fine, then I'm going to hang you. Oh, and Hyle and Pod because they're there too. So yeah. they hang, and at, what was it? You can say sword or noose or something. Sword or whatever. yeah. But they hang, and as they're hanging, Brienne, like, looks and sees Pod and Hyle, like, suffering, because they're hanging, and she screams a word, which has been confirmed a sword. Yeah, which should be obvious, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, why did anyone need confirmation? Did you read the Dance with Dragons? <laughs> also, what else would she scream? Mm. R- Sapphires. <laughs> I love you, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, speaking of Jamie, then we go to A Dance with Drag. Uh, no, 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 sorry. He has one more, he has one more chapter. Yeah, this is, this uh, is another good one. His chapters are all, all these chapters are good. What am I talking about? Oh, right. So, uh, basically this is after. Yeah, we're going uh, on for an hour and a half about them. Uh, It obviously has. And Eamon Frey, who's Jenna's husband, is, uh, he's throwing a, a hissy fit because, like, but basically what Edmure. Yeah. Sorry. You cut out. Basically, what Edmure did was that he conspired, like, uh, 
Brynden snuck out of Riverrun the night before they surrendered, so he's gone. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he's a little pissed about that, too, but Ben Enver is a little snug. <laughs> it's kind of cute. Uh, and Enver's like, trout swim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, dude. But I don't know, he has this whole little speech about, like, how how disgusted he is that all this has happened and talking about like how you know this was this was like his father's solar and he used to play there as a child and it just sickens him that Jamie's there and calls him Kinslayer um and yeah he's basically just like your external honor is shit dude um and then uh he has this lovely charming meeting with Sybil Spicer and her daughter Jane Westerling oh and my Sybil, god Sybil is not happy and Jane's narrow hips. Yeah. I uh, yeah. Poor George. Yeah. So, yeah. Jane is obviously still mourning Rob, and she's still kind of um, very loyal to him, like politically. As she's well. behaving like a total moron. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know she she's is. Mourning. But... I know she's been through shit, but she's being a fucking idiot. Yeah, but she's kind of like she's behaving kind of like how you're supposed to behave, right? She's still very loyal to her husband. Um, That's nice. Yeah, like, like Jamie kind of grudgingly admires her for it. And he's, and he's like complete shitball to, to Sybil, who's like... Yeah, because they idolize female... Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they idolize female subservience in yeah. Westeros, and that's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> yeah, so Sybil is pissed, first of all. She's pissed at her daughter for acting this way. And, you know, she's talking like... Um, and she's like physically abusive, pissed. So, yeah. like, we're, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, there, there, there aren't very many cinnamon rolls here. Um, and she's also pissed because um, she says that she had an understanding with uh, Lord Tywin. It's not exactly clear when this understanding started, but what she did was she prevented her daughter from getting pregnant, so they don't have to worry about there being a legitimate Stark heir at any point, and. Uh, she was slipping her moon tea, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, part the what she got in exchange for this was that, like, basically her family would be off the hook for, you know, marrying the rebels. <laughs> um, which she didn't seem to be, like, for happening. Um, but she was, she was quite upset that she wasn't told about the Red Wedding because one of her sons went with Rob and is presumably dead at this point. Um, so, yeah. yeah, and so she, she's, she talks about how her, uh, how Tywin promised her marriages for her children, but he was a complete butthead, and what he actually seemed to have been promising her was, um, Jerrion's bastard daughter, right? Joy, yeah, to marry yeah. the son that's probably dead. Yeah. So, like, Sybil's just, like, really, really pissed about all of this, and, mm-hmm. um... Jamie, meanwhile, is, like, kind of worried that Edmure, or worse, Jane would try to escape. Because if Jane tries to escape, they could just pretend any baby's hers. Yeah. And that's more dangerous. So, whatever. He, he like, pieces out. Like, it just left with Sybil just being annoying and him, like, not really being able to appease her. What's he yeah, supposed to and, do? And just, yeah, and he being really, like, you know, saying that, like, you know, your daughter's worth ten of you, my lady, or whatever. Um, yeah, so, uh... <sighs> Then Edwin Frey, like, is mad at Jamie because his father, Ryman, the asshole from the previous chapter with the sex worker, uh, he was killed on the way back to the twins. He was captured by Lady Stoneheart and hanged. 
but now so Edwin is the, Edwin kind of knows heir. that his father was a moron. Yeah. yeah. Now uh, Edwin is the heir, yay, unless his brother Blackwater Walder comes and kills him. We all know that Big Walder is going to end up inheriting the twins, so it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then, yeah, and Reynold is almost certainly dead, but, like, he might not be dead. He, like, had a bunch of arrows in him, and then he jumped to the river. So, uh, I know, it's kind of, it's kind of a Chekhov's gun, right? Like, he's got to show up again. Reynold, no, he's dead. I think he's dead. Yeah? I mean, it's kind of, like, one of those, like, plausible deniability things, right? I think he's dead. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. 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 We'll see. Anyway, Um, Jamie kind of, like, throws himself a little mission-accomplished party. Yeah, he does. He's kind of a little bit snug. Uh, I, I love that you might, like, uh, making a speech to how the people assembled and they're all, like, falling asleep. Um, <laughs> well, it's the Frey making the speech, wasn't it? Yeah, the Eamon Frey. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he, he hangs his little mission-accomplished banner. And then he starts chatting with uh, Thomas Evans and giving him advice on how to get, like, a gig with his aunt. And this guy, like, Thomas Evans is one of the Brotherhood Without Banners, BT dubs. So. Yeah. And, and yeah, we, also, we, uh, we know certain things about the prologue to, uh, The Winds of Winter, which, yeah. He also, he also might have witnessed, um, Enmir having performance difficulties <laughs> earlier in life. That, 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 very important, something really, very important. He goes to bed and he has a nightmare about his mom. Right, and that's reminiscent yeah. of his first chapter. Mm-hmm. Feast for Crows is full of this like first chapter, last chapter kind of stuff. Um, and then like it was planned. Yeah, and then he he wakes up and he notices that it's snowing, and he thinks there's not going to be any more harvests. Oops, <laughs> I guess we're all going to starve. Yay! And then Maester comes and he he gives him a letter from Cersei, basically saying, "Please help me. Um, I'm being slut shamed by a bunch of." Religious fanatics. Uh, oh, by the way, the thing with his mom's dream is like what freaks him out is that she keeps asking, like, "Who are you?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the most secret Tark. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he reads Cersei's letter and then he throws it in the fire. He didn't like her three "I love yous." Mm, no. Last anyway, chapter. Have, last chapter. An hour and a half later. Uh, <laughs> Then we finally have Jamie's uh, Dance with Dragons chapter, where it, for some reason, falls to him to settle centuries-old old feuds between the Blackwoods and the Brackens. Yeah. Like, okay. It's because it's because the Black it's, the Blackwoods haven't bent the knee yet. Yeah. They're the they're the last holdouts. So he's going to like treat with a uh, Bracken. What's his face? What's his first name? J- Janus. Yes, Janus, Janus Bracken. Bracken. Right? Yeah, he's he's really yeah. hairy. And he's busy, and he's fucking Hildy. As yeah, in a situation of dubious consent. Yeah, and he uh, calls her spoil of you, war for fuck's sake. <sighs> anyway, that's disgusting. And uh, but she's we, awesome. We, well, Hildy's turn ups are described in some detail. So, like, like she herself is awesome. She is awesome. She skedats though, and Janice is yeah. like, "I want a quarter of the Blackwoods land because because they're." They are holdouts, and Jamie's like, "All right, I'm gonna go talk to Titus Blackwood now." Yeah, and and Titus is like, "Oh, and Janice gave the advice like take take Titus's daughter. That'll really piss him off." Yeah. So he goes to treat with Titus, and like it's you know they just kind of hammer out like okay x amount of land, and, and he's just, just like much- he's totally willing to surrender, just not to Bracken. Yeah, 
he's like, I just won't surrender to Janos. And yeah, like his his son died nine days ago. That's how much they hate each other. And Jamie's like, uh, okay, I'm gonna take your daughter. And Ted just gets really sad. And Jamie's like, all right, I won't take your daughter. I'll take it. I'll take your bookish son. It's fine. I like Haas too. This This chapter is awesome too. Hoster, uh, yeah, he's like such a little cutie. So <laughs> he's a he's seven like, okay. foot tall cutie. So then he goes back to Janos to let him know the arrangement, and Janos is like, "Ha ha, well done." He's like, "Yeah, okay, I'm gonna take your daughter though." Yeah. Janos is like, "What the fuck?" And he's like, "Well, you bent your knee slightly earlier, so yeah, I'm gonna take a hostage." Um. So that that's that. He settled the feud between the Blackens and the Black forever the and ever. Yeah, we're sure that's gonna last. Uh, so then he heads to Penny Tree Village, and little Hoster is just like, "Let me tell you about the history of the feud." And uh, talking like about uh, you know the various breasts of Aegon the Unworthy's mistresses. He's a little kid. Mm. He's not a little kid. He's like sixteen, um, and he's seven feet tall. He's seven feet. Oh, right, right. Because th- that's the thing. The Blackwoods are all like tall and like wiry. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot. <clears throat> anyway, uh, then Brienne pops in yeah she's like like literally just pops in and jamie's like wow she looks really bad what the fuck did i do to her like yeah. what the fuck happens no he's like actually concerned for her he's not like oh she's ugly yeah now. yeah no 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 no. he means like she looks like she uh, she looks like she's been through hell yeah like she looks like she's aged a lot and she's fucking missing part of her face mm-hmm so he's like, what the hell happened? And he gets like, it was kind of cute because he gets really excited when he hears that it's her. Mm-hmm. But. No, I just, I, I could just see, uh, just see Larry kind of acting that out with his puppy dog face. That would have been perfect. Right? It, it really right. pisses me off because these actors are really good. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So, so I would love to see Gwendolyn and Christy like actually take on this role. Yeah. But basically, she's like, hey, you want to go build a snowman with me? Because I found the hound, and we're going to kill him together. You and me, buddy. <laughs> and he has Sansa. We're going to go and get him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Brian, this sounds suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we said this was going to be a high-level recap? <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck, us? Yeah. We, we basically took as much time with these chapters. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Alright, uh, themes and shit. So, you want to talk about honor? What is, what is honor? A horse. <laughs> it's such a stupid joke that it doesn't get old. It doesn't get old. Well, and like, Jamie doesn't usually name his horses BT Dubs, because yeah. so many of them die, but his his little squire names his two squires. His horses. Yeah, one horse was named Honor, and the other was named, like, I don't know. Yeah, his destrier was named Courage, and his palfrey was named Honor. So he he rides around on honor a lot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that. This is obviously the theme that you know jumps out the most because it's it's the exploration of what is a knight, mm-hmm. what is honor, a horse. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, Julia and I talk about this. We we use this phrase a lot where we talk about internalized versus internal versus external honor. I, the best we, ex- explanation I've ever heard of this is actually in a review of a Star Trek episode, which we will link. Um, <laughs> if you send me the link, I'm not going to know. Yeah. Yeah. I will, I will send you the link. Um, I, it was a Worf episode. I forget which one, but yeah, it goes in quite at length, but basically like, um, 
external honor is basically your status within your group, right? Like what other people think of you and whether or not you've met the standards of behavior for your group, like externally. It's, it's how your behavior is perceived by others. Internal honor, on the other hand, is it's internal. It's how you yourself feel that you have measured up to your own kind of standards of honor, right? So like the, uh, the whole thing with killing Eris is a perfect example of this, right? Because Jamie, at some level, he knows that he did like, maybe not the right thing, but he knows that what he did was, you know, something that he felt was justified in his own mind, right? Like he, he killed Eris to save, he saved a lot of lives. Yeah. Yeah. He killed Eris to save the city. It was something that like, you know, uh, he was grappling with this whole thing with the king's side, like basically the same thing that Barris and Selmy was grappling with in uh, Death Dragons. Like, you know, he he wants to do his job, you know, and be a good king's guard, but this man is an asshole, you know. Yeah, and and like the, one of his flashbacks at some mm-hmm. point is about Rayella getting horribly abused by Eris when like getting raped and um like chewed on and stuff and. Yeah. Jamie was outside the room, like, one of the nights where that happened, and he asked, like, don't we have to protect her? We're Kingsguard, because, you know, you protect the royal family. And the other knight said, I think it was, yeah. that was John- Jonathan Derry. I think it was, too, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he goes, not from him. Yeah. So, like, he, he inter- like, internally, he has, like, he has satisfied his internal honor in that case, because... He knows that he saved a lot of lives from this, like, complete madman. But his external honor is complete shit because, like, um, the society expects him to do his duty to obey, like, almost unquestioningly, right? Like, the highest, the highest virtue in this society is this, like, obedience to this, this kind of, like, hierarchical feudal order, right? So it doesn't matter if the king was an asshole. His job was to protect the king. Um... So, like, the thing the thing that gave him the most kind of, you know, satisfaction in terms of his own internal honor is also the thing that gave him the most, the most, like, why people revile him externally in, in the external society. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, maybe this is why one of the points that Martin's making is how untenable the society is on a fundamental level. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. It's possible, or... You know. Possible he's not glorifying the feudal order. I don't know. <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> and um, Brienne is kind of, she's grappling with the same kind of sort of thing because, like, um, the way that the society expects her to behave is not how she feels is the right thing to do, right? Yes. That, like, like what, what her conscience demands of her. Right, so, like, what's what's funny about Brienne is that, like, internally and externally, mm-hmm. I would say, is that she's, like, probably the best fucking honorable person yeah. in this series, but her external honor do- is non-existent because she's a woman. Yeah. So, it's just not and a Her honor is in her vagina. <laughs> right. So, she's being told, mm-hmm. go home, by a number of people. You know, there's, there's the really aggressive way Randall tells her to do it. Yeah. There's the elder brother who seems legitimately concerned. Yeah. Um... But either way, she's continually, continually getting the feedback, like, this is not your... You don't have a place in this world. Yeah. And... But, like, she knows she's doing the right thing. Yeah. And 
it's the only thing she can do, really. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just the only she, thing she's good at. It's like it's like she's kind of unapologetic for that. Yeah, like it's very it's very difficult to kind of get like your finger on exactly how this works and to explain it because like. Like, you know, she had that breakdown in front of the elder brother where she's just like, you know, I'm a freak. I, uh, you know, my, my father deserves better than me. But at the same time, like, she doesn't make any apologies for the way that she behaves. No. And like, you know, with the old dude who said, you know, you have to learn your place. Mm-hmm. And she's like, fine, then beat me, like, beat me at arms. Or the way that she just goes into this melee to be in Renly's Kingsguard. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, I'm just going to fucking beat all these people who were wagering to have sex with me. It's fine. Yeah. And I'll show them and she did. Yeah. Mm. She like she will do the this action, she will train and, you know, be that way, but then she also has this this you know, it's the external feedback that she's getting. <laughs> That's, you know gross. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and Yeah. I don't know. It's it's very it's strongly parallel to Jamie. And mm. um a, th- a way I think about this too a lot is like Jamie's always called the Kingslayer, right? Yeah. But on his inside he's like maybe I could be Golden Hand the Just. Yeah. And like, and like even back in their <laughs> Storm Sword arc, like um like their their arc kind of culminated when he started calling her again and she started calling him Jamie, right? Exactly, cuz it was Wench and Kingslayer. Yeah. And she gets called wench a lot still here, uh, or she gets called the warrior maid or whatever. Yeah, it is. or like um, just bitch and cunt and things like that too. Yeah, so it's like again, it's like these names, but it's it's who she's trying to be. You know, she has a sword named Oathkeeper, mm-hmm. and her last chapter is almost devastating in that way. Yeah, because it's Stoneheart being like, "No, this is Oathbreaker." Yeah, and and that's and that's also like an internal external honor thing because like. She chooses to do the right thing by Pod and Heil, even though, like, or what she sees to be the right thing, um, even though, like, you know, she's she's breaking the external honor rule. She's like breaking a vow, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, even the whole like initially how she won't make that choice between killing Jamie and hanging mm-hmm. because she knows it's the right thing to be defending him. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah, so she breaks the vow. She's gonna kill him, I guess. And she try. I don't know. I don't know what is. I, I I know we don't like speculating, but like, what is she? What is her aim? I don't think she has an aim. Like she just like she. I think she's just kind of trapped in the situation, and she's just kind of. I don't know. Why did she tell him that weird cover story then? Why did she just tell him what's going on? I don't know. Maybe it's because she's a zombie it- now. Yeah, I doubt that a little bit somehow. Do you remember that argument in the forums? No, that was a oh my god, that was a theory. Yeah, that she she, that she's like uh, she's undead now, like cat is. Zombie, zombie Brienne, maybe sure. It just like I know that she's just trying to get him away from the camp, but just a mm-hmm. weird fucking like. I wonder if she's maybe thinking I can't tell him because I need to save Hyle and Pot. Like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I can't. I really can't wait to pick back up the storyline. I know. I want Winds of Winter. Kylie, make it come out. Hey, George, if you're listening. (laughs) I know that you love our work. Yeah. Our fanfic especially. Yeah. Uh, Sure. (laughs) God. 
Yeah. Um, so you want to talk about uh, womanhood and manhood? Yeah, maybe. I think we need to address the romance question first, to be honest. Okay. Um, so that's because... a question. Is this a romance? Well, it's Jamie and Brienne, right? Yeah. Like that's the second biggest ship, I would say. Maybe the maybe the first biggest ship because it's actually like two adults. Yeah. Well, like the three biggest ships, like uh, in the fanfic worlds, are Jamie and Brienne, Sansan, and Arya and Gendry. <laughs> but yeah, those are the three biggest ships. I think Sansan and Jamie and Brienne have about the same amount of yeah, like canonness. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, yeah. I don't. I don't judge sense. I'm just saying. Like, I think there are people that are like, "Oh, values dissonance. I can't ship this." But they're shippers, so then they go to Brienne and Jamie, because um, I think it's that's a very easy ship to be in support of, right? Yeah, but um, I'm not. I'm not like shitting on Jamie and Brienne shippers either. I'm just saying. I think people have more of a comfort in saying, "Oh, I ship this." Yeah. Arya and Gendry, I don't want to get into at all. Yes. I mean, all three of these ships, like, it's not that there's not, there's nothing there, but, like, I think people try to put it into, like, this round peg that it just doesn't belong in. I think they believe that Martin's crafting a very, like, specific kind of romance, mm-hmm. rather than there might be romantic elements, but it's not necessarily going to, it's probably going to be subverted. Yeah, well, we, we actually don't know, so, because um, the series isn't over. But yeah, like, um, I've said at one point and, um, I have changed my opinion about this, but like, not really, but also yes, <laughs> that like, this is more of a bromance than a romance. Like, it has a lot of like the bromance elements to it, especially in a sort of, so- in a sort in uh, a sort of, a storm of sorts. Um, at the same time, there was a really kinky element to their sword fight. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, like, like he's just like you know, kind of framing it as a marital dispute, right? Um, yeah. So I guess in my mind, like, what what is it that? How are you splitting that bromance romance hair? Um, that they kind of it's all about like how they're kind of an odd mismatched kind of like pairing, and then they've learned to respect each other, kind of like. As warriors, I suppose you can say, but like not really like as warriors, but like they res- they learn how to respect each other as people, right? Like he he respects her basically, like you know, as as a warrior, as a person who's who's like you know physically capable, and he's and she starts to respect him as you know someone who does have some semblance of honor. Yeah, and do you think that precludes a romance? Though? No, it doesn't preclude it, but I I think like the non romantic elements of that are more important, I suppose. Yeah. I oh, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um you know, I think it's not subtle that Brienne finds him attractive. Oh yeah. Like that's that's clear. Jamie's feelings are a little more um a little more complicated. He obviously has an affection for her. Mhm. And he's obviously like there there is like a physical attractiveness there too, like even yeah, apart from all his partials. <laughs> Um, well, he punches Ronit in the fucking face. Yeah, when he says, like, basically, like, kind of, um, you know, poo-poo's her womanhood, I suppose you can say. Um, yeah. And there, there, there's a famous erection in the bathtub, right? Yeah. I think, 
I think their physical attraction for one another confuses them. Mm-hmm. It's like the way I get, like, obviously with Brienne, it's a little, she, she keeps being like, okay, I shouldn't think of Jamie. I'm just going to try to keep picturing Renly. And yeah. Like, um, honey, well, it's okay. Like, yeah, you can have a crush. She has, she has that kind of like, um, you know, like, uh, Marianne Dashwood, she had that kind of notion that you can only be in love once, you know, <laughs> I think. Yeah. She has this kind of like, idealized thing that like, you know, she loved Renly, you know, she has to mourn him forever. Um, and I think with, cause like with Jamie, Everything about Brienne really is contextualized within Cersei. And there is the Madonna whore thing going on there, I think. Yeah, can we... I know that this we were going to talk about it as a theme specifically, but mm-hmm. I think we can start to talk about it here. And is this a romance? Because it's, it's not a secret. Like, one of the big things I would say is that Jamie and Brienne start out on very opposite ends of certain spectrums mm-hmm. and they're kind of working and sort of dancing towards the middle together in like, he's sort of becoming more idealistic in a way. Yeah. Like that, that's what, I don't know if that's it, kind of what his arc is about. Like kind of rediscovering that idealism. Like, cause he talks about it in a storm of swords as well. Like the arcs are really like through the whole series really, but he talks about in storm of swords, how like he, or and he no, or does he talk about it in this book? I forget. But when he talked about how, you know, uh he used to worship Arthur Dane and you know, he wanted no, to that's Storm of Swords. Yeah, he wanted he wanted to be just like him, but like somehow along the way he lost that. And, you know, he thinks he he basically connects his loss of like he he connects the, his loss of like having this ideal of a knight in his head with actually becoming a King's Guard, actually like becoming like yeah. this this archetype of a perfect knight. Um, and so now that he has, like, you know, shit for honor and, you know, he's not really a man anymore and all that, now he's discovering what it really means to be a knight again. Yeah, now that he's not able to fight, Mm -hmm. he's rediscovering knighthood. Yeah. Is what it seems. And then at the same time, you know, yeah, Brienne was overly idealistic. She was, you know, floored to learn that this wager could happen because these men were knights. Yeah. Um, and she's definitely becoming, it's more cynical, but... (sighs) I don't know. She she was suspicious of those two hedge knights right away. It's yeah. just, I mean, like the, the suspicion, like like her kind of breakdown of idealism definitely started at High Garden. Yeah, for sure. And it, just the hell she's been through, it's kind of mm-hmm. hard not to have more of a breakdown. And then I think that obviously the culmination, her arc is really heartbreaking because like Jamie's arc is is sort of uplifting in a weird way, but Brienne's arc is just tearing everything down, and it ends with you know, Cat is torn down and she's stuck yeah. hard and you know cat who she used to admire so much for like her like how her compassion made her courageous and strong and her woman's strength too like brienne really looked to that and we are mm-hmm. about to talk about menhood and onehood that's what i'm saying that specifically but like yeah it's it's really heartbreaking to see it but at the same time you can see how these two characters are very like uniquely paralleling each other uniquely foiling each other and then meeting in the middle and there's something so compelling that i think the possibility of them being a couple is like i see the i see why that's you know so popular i don't know i can't i just like you know like with like when you talk when we talk about like like you know couples like you know like like our our otp like you can actually picture them together you know mm-hmm. like you can picture them in that context but i can't i can't like actually picturing these two like you know having sex or anything like that i just like 
I just don't see why there needs to be like a rom- I don't see why what needs to be a necessarily romantic element to their relationship because because obviously like romantic relationships aren't just about sex yeah but I guess I don't know because I can't yeah I really don't see them I don't really see them together yeah like like I see I, them like I don't see them being loving towards each other yeah like they're they're like objects of romantic interest to each other that's that's clear and they're like yeah. they're important to each other's kind of just their development and where they are kind of as people in this point but like like when if we're talking about like you know like shipping like rooting for this relationship like I just I Is don't just see them having a relationship I really don't I think for me I could see it but it's just not my aesthetic is that like I don't know if that's a cop out <sighs> I I can't yeah, because normally I could think about, like, how that will happen when they get together. Mm-hmm. And with them, I can't think about that. Yeah. It's just, like, my brain kind of... What's weird is that, like, I, I can see Sansan. Really? Like, you can... You know, some of that fan art that you see of Sansan, like, having yeah, but... little houndlets and everything? No, like, I can see the context, and I think... I, I think it's because Sansa's actively fantasizing about the context. Okay. That I can see it. It's it's not like I'm like, oh yeah, I want that. I, I don't root for, I, I have one ship and it's not any of these people. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Beauty and the Beast. No, I, that, that, that's an aesthetic I don't understand either. But it seems to be compelling I, I, to a lot of people. Yeah, and obviously there's elements of Beauty and the Beast in um, Jamie and... I mean, we, it's the Baron the Maiden Fair. Yeah. A song of Like, who's the, ba- yeah. who's the Baron, who's the Maiden, and you know all that. Uh, it's, you know... Martin's playing with something for sure. It's mm-hmm. and as you said, it's, it's blindingly obvious that there's romantic intrigue between them. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, to call it a romance. Yeah, I mean, maybe sure. maybe I just have a very limited understanding of what a romance is. Like, I can I can see the anons already telling me that. But, uh, well, what's the difference between having romantic elements and being a romance? Well, what's the difference between being a, a fantasy novel with high literary merit and have, being a, a piece of literature within a fantasy setting? I'm comfortable calling it a romance. At the same time, I'm also comfortable saying I don't ship it. Okay. <laughs> oh, how about that? Sure. That works, I guess. <laughs> um, But no, what I really want to talk about is womanhood and manhood. Yeah. And slut-shaming and rape apology, because those were <laughs> shocking. The- there was one person... I there's this one poster who was talking about how bad a feast for cars is, and they're like the overarching theme is rape. I was like, well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's an explore. It's definitely an exploration of the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Is a huge theme of the feast for cars. Yeah, like feast for crows and- is the is the novel where the female POVs dominate. It's where the female POVs dominate. It's where the two of the men, Jamie and Sam, are struggling with toxic patriarch like explicitly struggling with mm-hmm. toxically patriarchal standards yeah um because you know jamie's a cripple now he can't do anything yeah right he's not really a man anymore and like yeah his manhood is tied to his his fighting capacity yeah. as he sees it and uh do you want to start with jamie or Brian? we have to pick <sighs> let's start with jamie okay then we need to talk about the slut shaming. Yeah, and because yeah, like um, yeah, like this this ties into whole Madonna core complex. Like he's there seems to be a dichotomy 
between how he allows himself to see Cersei. Like, either she's this idealized figure who's, like, dappled in sunlight, or, like, she's a fucking whore, and there doesn't seem to be anything in between for him. Yeah, and it's obvious that, like, the Madonna whore complex is is his bias. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's, I don't think we're supposed to look at it and just take it at face value. No. There's very little in A Song of Ice and Fire you're supposed to take it at face value. At the same time, maybe it's just because I was listening to his chapters in such a consolidated time. Mm-hmm. The slut shaming is a fucking problem. Yeah, it is. Like I, I have a huge discomfort with it. Like, well, are you talking from the Doyle's perspective? I'm talking from a Doyle's perspective because I do, we're supposed to find Jamie really sympathetic. Yeah, and I do. And that's not. So, it's never his, supposed to be easy. I mean, I don't think any of these PV characters are supposed to be easy to like. But I don't. I don't think the slut shaming is necessarily framed in a bad light. Okay, I guess is what I'm saying because it's kind of confirmed, right? Like, well, Cersei is this scheming whore, and she does sleep with all these dudes, and she is bad for me. But then that's the re- the reason he keeps citing is you know her sleeping with other people, mm-hmm. and then. You know, we see Cersei, and Cersei's not a good person. No. But so is like, Jamie supposed we, to be a good person? No, but I think we do want... Like, it's obviously better for him to not be with her. It's better for her to not be with him, too. Mm-hmm. It's a mutually destructive relationship. But it we are supposed to think it's a good thing that he breaks away from that. Yeah. For sure. And it just... There's... I do have a little bit of a discomfort. I, I, I mean, think I for think one second. At this point, I think she's a villain and he's not. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I don't think for one second, we talk about this very strongly in the Cersei podcast. I don't think for one second Martin is a misogynist or a slut shamer or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I just wonder if, if the way he was trying to make this point, maybe left too much of a space open for, you know. Slut shaming? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it ju- if it just, for for a kind of sexist read on this. Okay. Which, he's not responsible for the reader's sexism, I know that too. It's like, it's complicated, I guess. I don't know. <sighs> no, like, it, it is kind of constant, like, that is his mantra. Like, a lot of characters in A Feast for Crows have their mantras. And his mantra is about how Cersei is a fucking slut. So. Yeah. And, I don't know. It just, it's never comfortable. I don't think it's ever supposed to be comfortable. But mm-hmm. I have to wonder if there's, you know, it's definitely not comfortable for me as a woman who has sex. Mm-hmm. But I have to wonder, you know, if there are certain readers that, it would just be like, yeah, she is a, you know, that jerk. Well, we know there are because people. we've hung out on the westrose.org forums. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, it doesn't feel great when at the same time it's, you know, she's the villain and he's not. Yeah. She's the twin that had everything evil confirmed about her. He's the one who gets to tear it down. Again, it's it's a little bit of that uh, Azula, Zuko. Yeah. Situated in the pattern, it's fine, but there is that discomfort. There's just... Yeah. It's just, that's an element, I think. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That was probably a useless waste of your time. No, not at all. I mean, like, like, 
he's always walking such a fine line with this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes whether or not he's successful is rather subjective. Yeah, I think it was just because Jamie's chapters were so condensed on this listen through. So, like, when you're hearing that mantra over and over again, you're mm-hmm. like, wow, this is not a mantra I needed to hear repeated. Thank you. Yeah. But, you and... know, obviously situated in A Feast for Crows with this exploration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, I don't, like, Jamie's just very interesting in this book. Like, I, there's no other way I can really put it. Like, with the whole, um, his whole thing with his hand and, you know, how he kind of, he has to kind of hide things about himself and he's learning. But he, he already did this whole thing where he has this public persona that's all, like, bravado. But he really has to kind of up the ante on that. And he's always, like, bluffing and worrying that somebody will call his bluff. Mm-hmm. And just pretending to be a jerk, basically, because that's how he's expected to behave. And you can tell he hates the bluffing, too. Mm -hmm. When he says the trebuchet thing, like, before he says it, he's like, they're listening. Okay, fine, let them listen. And you're like, oh, this isn't making your tummy feel good, is it? (laughs) Aw, poor Jamie. He's tummy. I think he's just a little stupid sometimes, which is fine. Yeah, he's not um, the brightest... He's not an idiot or anything. He's yeah. not Vic. He's not, you know, he's not, he's maybe middling. Be, is yeah. better. <laughs> Brienne isn't all that, like, she's not stupid either, but she's not exactly brilliant, too. They're very matched intellectually, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Like, like, That's fine. Yeah. Like, it sounds like mean that you say that. Like, you know, most, most people are of, a, of average intelligence, you know, kind of definitionally. So. Yeah. Well, I just mean sometimes Jamie, like, can be very proud of himself for things. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay. And, like, I think, I don't know, maybe he's another guy that I need to, like, give my matzo ball soup to and pat on the head. Kinda sometimes. the impression I get with him. I mean, like, maybe there, there just... are times, like, it's definitely, like, in his flashbacks, like, like, 17-year-old Jamie killing Eris. Like, I feel so sorry for that kid. Yeah. Um, and I think I might also just be protecting a little too much Larry onto him with the lost puppy look. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> It is a very lost puppy look. Yeah, and fucking Nicolas Rodricosto is just, he would have been such a good Jamie that, mm-hmm. that I can't scrub that mental image out. Yeah. Um, Brienne, I have a totally different mental image of because she's a lot. I mean, Gwendolyn Christine's lovely. and Yeah, she the, is. But you know. Yeah, she um she has a lot more feminine coding. Yes. Real Brienne. I agree. Yeah. Um, Like long hair. But mm-hmm. yeah, like, I don't know. What were we talking about, manhood? We were talking about womanhood, I think, now. No, let's talk about womanhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Brienne's conception is absolutely fascinating. I think this is maybe the most interesting exploration of gender. Yeah. That's the most. You need Cersei. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll find yeah. that quote about the how she's happy and sad. Um, oh, with the babe? Yeah. Brienne had been betrothed at seven, to a boy three years her senior, Lord Carson's younger son, a shy boy with a mole above his lip. They had only met once on the occasion of their betrothal. Two days later he was dead, carried off by the same chill that took Lord and Lady Carson and their daughters. Had he lived, they would have been wed within a year of her first flowering, and her whole life would have been different. She would not be here now, dressed in man's mail and carrying her sword, hunting for a dead woman's child. 
more like she'd be at night song, swaddling a child of her own and nursing another. It was not a new thought for Brienne, and it always made her feel a little sad, but a little relieved as well. Yeah, that's her in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah. She's not apologetic for who she is, but she also feels this horrible anxiety for being out of place. Yeah. Which, I don't know. Um, I suppose, like, it's, like, from my very limited experience, it sounds like it's typical of people who, like, have unconventional gender expression. That, like, you know, because, cause, like, they, they, they kind of, you know, they want to please society and those around them, but they also want to not be miserable, you know? I think, you know, I could easily see uh, Brienne if in a society that wasn't so cisgendered and wasn't mm-hmm. so, you know, toxically patriarchal, I could see her, you know, if they had that language identifying as genderqueer or something like yeah. that easily. Um, but obviously in Westeros, that's not an option. Yeah. So she... Just not a conception that they have. She is a woman and that is both... You know, not a source of pride necessarily, but she does like it yeah. in, in a way. And she does relate to women and, and the, you know, I keep thinking about how her whole style of fighting is based around the fact that men are afraid of emasculation. Yeah. And it's using that manhood against them. It's mm-hmm. using her womanhood sort of as a weapon. And it works. <laughs> It, yeah, well, it does seem to work. I mean, but like, um, one thing that kind of makes me uncomfortable from a duelist perspective, like you talked about, like, um, like she is an exceptionally good fighter, right? Yeah. That does seem to yeah. be the case. And like, it does have that element to it, just like, you know, in order for like a, a woman must piss twice as hard. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't you just be an average fighter? <laughs> yeah. Why is she so fucking awesome? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dunk's seed is strong. What do you want? Yeah, I guess so. But I like it's it's kind of like like you she's think a, it's she's closer a, to earth. Is that what you're saying? No, like she's a trope buster, but she doesn't bust all the tropes, you know. Yeah, she's a really really good fighter. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe it's less because of her like actual ability and more because she has that strategy at her disposal. Maybe. I mean, it's part of it, but mm-hmm. you know. Would her being a middling fighter, how much, what do you think that would have improved, I guess? Not really improved, it's just it, um, I mean, like, not, tropes aren't bad necessarily, right? But just, like, it is Mm -hmm. very tropey that she pisses twice as hard. Yeah. Martin really doubles over backwards to make sure we know she's a good warrior maid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that saying, that expression, warrior maid. (laughs) You can't be a warrior matron, that's for sure. Also, Brienne is super fucking young. Yeah, she's like 20? Yeah. And Jamie's like 35. Nobody really looks at that angle. No, but I mean, that's neither here nor there. I I just can't imagine a 20-year-old going through this kind of stuff. Like, like, because Gwendolyn Christie, like, she, you know, she's... a very much an adult. Yeah. She's so over 30, they, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. I think. So they aged, they aged up the character, which is fine, but yeah, like, so you I mean, know. Like of all the things they've done to that character, aging her up is not a problem. Oh, no, no. I have no issue with it. <laughs> sure. Um, but, but it's just sometimes like, I, I forget, you know, I really don't conflate the show that much, but sometimes there's just certain things that I forget when I go back. I'm like, oh my God, she's 20. Yeah. It's just like a little jarring. Um, should we talk directly about the, like, rape apology she has to deal with? 
I like we've we've both blogged about this quite extensively. Like it, it, it's just like the most like you open a dictionary and look up rape apology. That is what it is. I mean, yeah, I don't know why we're having I don't know why we're having this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I guess I can contrast Jamie's slut shaming, mm-hmm. and again, yeah, this goes again back to the whole Madonna horror complex, which I guess is indicative of Jamie's mindset. But yeah, uh, Jamie's also interesting, like like um, the role that Pia plays in his arc mm-hmm. is also mm-hmm. kind of very interesting, like that. Yeah. Like, depiction's not endorsement, but I do wonder how accessible this is. Yeah. Because we're... How many times have we gone and reread this stuff, you know? Yeah. And, like, I'm comfortable with the conclusions we land on for the most part, but... Yeah, for sure. I really I really don't like Cersei being negatively compared in terms of, like, sexual interest. Like, he's not sexually interested in Cersei anymore because she's having sex with other people. Yeah. So then, and then people contrast that to the warrior maid. Because idolized maidenhood. Yeah. But. <laughs> I know it's, it's, but it's more about like, um, you know, his brain virgin of Cersei. Yeah. Uh, my new favorite term. Thank you, Anon. <laughs> I love it. Um, like it, it's, it's less about like Cersei and what she's actually done and more about like the construction of Cersei that he made that she doesn't live up to because She's not an idealized construction. She's a person. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, n- none of this is straightforward. That's what makes it so infuriating, but also so interesting and worth talking about for two hours on a podcast, you know? <laughs> oh, two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. Ah, <laughs> uh, God, I don't know. Is there anything more to be said about womanhood? Lots. Like, but... Cause- I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface. Yeah. In some ways. Uh in general this isn't this has nothing to do with anything about womanhood. I just like Brienne so much. I just like that she's a good person. Yeah. Um I we were talking about this before we turned the mic on, I remember about how like um it's hard to get at kind of um like her own buying into the system. Yeah, she's really cuz she like Obviously, her virginity is very important to her. Yeah. And her maid status. And, you know, the rape threats that she faces are not unintentional. Yeah. But at the same time, she sees, like, oh, his lot will never love me for Randall Tarley. You know, Mm -hmm. she sees the injustices. She... I don't know, she's really fascinating, too. Cause, yeah. cause I mean, that- is her virginity important to her because she thinks it gives her value, or just because she values her sexual autonomy? I would lean more towards A. Okay. Because she seems to have patriarchy brain, to a degree. Everyone does to a degree. Like, even Arian has patriarchy like, brain I don't, to a degree. Like, like, I don't see, but I'm saying, like, I don't see her thinking about sexual autonomy. Yeah. But, like, the whole thing with the wager and how she, like, you know, how she beat them all up the melee, that's all about reclaiming her sexual autonomy. That's true. That's true. Oh, God. I don't know now. And the fight in the pit with the bear? What was that about? Yeah, okay. All right, you have a point there. Yeah. But then, at the same time, like, 
Think about her. She she doesn't even think she could inherit Tarth. Yeah. She hasn't even considered that. Her dad's like 57. Yeah. And she's like, you know, like even that quote I read, she's talking about if she married that boy, obviously they would live at Night Song, not on Tarth, that she's going to inherit. You know? <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like, I don't know. She's so, it, it is, it's really, really hard to peg down how she buys into the system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we love the patriarchy brain lens, but it's very, it's a very difficult lens with her. I don't want, she's not anachronistic, certainly. No. And, and maybe this gets back to the idea of Tarth having a very unique culture. Yeah, because we can't figure Tarth out. Like, what the fuck is in that place? Why is the Lord called an even star? star? <laughs> why, why is the Lord like, yeah, daughter, go train with my master at arms. And, why, and the master at arms is like, okay. Yeah. I've been waiting to train a woman my whole life. <laughs> He really takes up the charge. Fucking Septa Royale. Like, what is she doing yeah. there? Go away. Tarth doesn't want your kind. <laughs> no, Tarth is huge, BT Dubs. Uh, like, yeah, as far as I can tell, like, like, like it's like Sicily, this, yeah, least, it's like right? the size of Sicily. And like, Sicily has its own unique culture, easily, right? Like, even no, several. No. So. <laughs> yeah. It, like, it, it can easily, like, like this, like, the Lord of Tarth, like, can be, easily be like a considerable lord i mean like people don't realize how fucking huge Westeros is like i remember i got uh, a semi-angry nod once where when i said that like um westeros is the size of south america and i got like an anon yelling at me for not realizing how large and culturally diverse south america is like i know i do realize how culturally diverse south america is westeros is that big that's why i said it yeah that's why you said it specifically yeah like and I think it wasn't your point that it was like stupid that there's only one language. It's incredibly stupid. Like, but like, I don't want to, like, we can do a whole episode about that. Like, seriously. But, uh. Yeah, actually, I asked Gretchen if she'd be interested and she said, yeah. <laughs> cool. But like, the Karstark lands in the north, like, it's estimated that they're the size of England. Right? Like, oh my just God. the Karstark lands. Like, this place is fucking huge. So, like, Tarth can be, it's not an un- inconsiderable amount of land to rule. You know, like, there's probably, like, like layers of, like, minor lords and knights below this this person. And and Bear Island has its own culture, so why not mm-hmm. Tarth? And Bear okay. Island is, like, the size of, like, Bali, at least? I don't know. It's pretty <laughs> fucking big. That Yeah, that's probably about right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I guess what we're saying is that Brienne's patriarchy brain might be a bit different than other people's patriarchy. Yeah, brain. maybe, because she has a slightly different kind of patriarchy around her. Like, Asha's patriarchy brand is definitely different than other women because her patriarchy is like, holy shit. <laughs> Rape culture central. Yeah. Good God. Okay, so uh, let's get uh, to some of these themes. Uh, so, ret- uh, confronting the past and retracing old ground. Oh, yeah, this is kind of crazy, mm-hmm. Sauce, how much they did. Well, because they're literally walking on the same steps they took in Yeah, in, in A Storm, Storm of Swords. And they're always, like, not far away from each other and things like that. They're also always thinking about each other. Just mm-hmm. stop it. <laughs> you kids are gross. You kind of really wish they had cell phones because they'd be, like, texting each other, just being like, oh, my God, dude, I just passed the place where your cousin <laughs> died. Like, what? Yeah. It's crazy. This is the, this is why I think the two of us call it a bromance. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this kind of this this theme also started in uh, a Storm of Swords with Jamie. Like mm-hmm. the one that I, the one that I remember the most is when he leaves Harrenhal and he's thinking about uh, when he left the tourney at Harrenhal, 
Yes. And he passes by, like, the ruined inn where he stopped and, like, uh, the innkeeper wouldn't take his coin because it was such an honor for him to eat there. Things like that. So, like, yeah, mm-hmm. th- this is also a thing that's kind of, um, like, uh, Jamie's arc, I think, is, is very much a continuation of his Storm of Swords arc. And Brienne's, oh, for sure. Uh, and her, her POV chapter start in A Feast for Crows. Um, but they're obviously meticulously crafted as a parallel to Jamie's. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's no way he's accidentally writing this. The Riverlands are just such, like, the Riverlands are weird because they're so important in the text, but, like, they're kind of also amorphous. Like, you can't really talk about Riverlands as, like, their own unique place. They're just, like, this place where everyone shits on the small folks. Oh, God. And, like, the atmosphere surrounding this, too, mm-hmm. with the, like, corpses and the... It goes, mm-hmm. We, we talk about the Korean yeah, yeah, we talk about the Karen Kuros theme in our, in our um, A Feast for Crows and Dance with Dragons uh, podcast, which I'll link to that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, they are literally thrown on travelogues where they have to go back to places they've been. Yeah. You know, one one of the things um, Jamie learns about, uh, thinks about when he's at Derry again is like, oh, I was here with Tyrion. And like, he noticed the tapestries were gone, but there was like, you know, splotches from where the tapestries were hidden. So then we found the Targ tapestries. And it's just like all these stories that just keep coming back up. Yeah. And like, that's, you know, maybe one of the weirder examples. But <laughs> I like that example. It's cute. <laughs> yeah. And but like all of it, it's it's all about them thinking back over and every time Brienne thinks about her travels with Jamie, she immediately is like, Oh, and then remember that sword fight we had? Maybe <laughs> tinglies. She 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 definitely got tinglies with the sword yeah. fight. Nobody ever explained to her what that meant. <laughs> oh my god. Probably not, to no. be honest. Septa Royale wasn't about to do it. No. But oh fucking worse Septa. <laughs> Go away. Whatever. At least at least Jamie had an awesome subject that he sent to her to help pimp her out later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll link the definitive ranking of subjects. I don't know what's wrong with me today. Uh, the definitive ranking of subjects is awesome. I won't hear a word against it, especially not from you, the creator of the definitive ranking of subjects. I promise we are sober. <laughs> but it's like 11.20. So. PM. Yeah. <laughs> My family's asleep. <laughs> Uh, uh, well, Jolette is still out for the night, so. Yeah. <laughs> I erased the wrong thing in our notes. <laughs> yeah, you did. People are going to think I have a girlfriend now. That's just, we call my sister Jolette. It's cool. <laughs> There's reasons, believe me. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, okay, so the next theme, uh, Bear and the Maiden Fair. We kind of touched on a little bit with the romance, uh, mm-hmm. because that's, well, I guess we didn't touch on it, but like that's the the trope, the Beauty and the Beast trope at the Bear and the Maiden Fair. And with Jamie and Brienne, it's very like, oh, but Jamie's really like Jamie's really the bear, and she's the Maiden Fair. Or is wait, is he the Maiden Fair because he's hot? Like you know, yeah, the playing around with it. Um, but I think there's also a certain element of it where, you know, it, it's again this relates so much back to the internal external honor. Does yeah, Jamie feel monstrous. Or does he feel like Golden Head the Just, you know, that bullshit stuff? <laughs> I don't know. There's more to talk about with the people who are really into Beauty and the Beasts. Like, there's just essays and essays yeah. written on Westeros.org about Beauty and the Beast tropes. Uh, we'll and... try to find a good example to link, I guess. Um, yeah, I actually know exactly. There, there's, um, 
in the Pond to Player uh, sum up post, there's one about Jamie and Brienne. Cool. That I'll link. Because uh, I feel out of my element talking about a trope that I don't like. So it's not even like it's. I I don't understand the appeal of this really. Of this it particular just, trope. It, it leaves me drier than a desert. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, like, there must be something to it. I mean, people have been on this one for like a thousand years at least. So, and our and our shipping aesthetic is very rare. So, yeah. I guess <laughs> Carly, how did we find each other? Better to stand on this happens. <laughs> I started stalking your posts. That's how this happens. <laughs> like literally, you came up. You were around the boards when I was around the boards, mm-hmm. and every time you'd say something, I'd be like, "That Julia Martel says some interesting things." <laughs> So then I, like, see you piss and be like, me too. I think there are a couple of replies that are exactly that. I just be like, me too. Let's talk. Yeah. And somehow this happens. I don't even know. I like I like our relationship. I, I do as well. And I think if there's anything we can do to spread the, the uh, literal feudal lord and uh, handmaiden aesthetic, <laughs> I will do it. Yeah. I can't believe that's our aesthetic. Uh, oh my god! Why? Well, we're just—I kind of like how Han Solo. I like how Han Solo is a handmaiden. That pleases me. Um, it pleases me that Damon is. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is that Marceline is actually a queen. She's the queen of the vampires. She's queen of the underworld. Oh right, because her father is the devil. Her father's like a demon, dude. Yeah. So she's Marceline the Vampire Queen. But she doesn't act it, so... Yeah. It's fine. The dynamic sticks. And Peebs is a fucking tyrant. Yeah. Like, actually, it's kind of terrifying. Let's not talk about that anymore. And we're supposed to be talking about how they're worthy of their fathers. Yeah, so we'll link that. Uh, next theme is... uh, Yeah... Being worthy of their fathers is interesting because it's kind of a theme that's sort of, I feel like, thrown in for both of them. You think so? the same, not, not like, not like it was sloppily done. I just mean the same level of attention where it's only a couple of chapters where they're really thinking about this, mm-hmm. but it, they really do think about it. And, um, to the point where Jamie's like purposely trying to be Tywin after Jenna's like, no, honey, no, you're not. <laughs> you're kind of better than him. Like you're you're cute. You smile like Jerrion. I appreciate that. Yeah. Isn't he the like useless brother who got himself killed stupidly? <laughs> Jerrion's the uh, Yolo brother who's like traveling around the world and yeah, I gotta his- find the sword. He got like, himself okay, killed dude. stupidly. Did he? Yeah, flying the sword, possibly, possibly fathering people in Ben Bravos. Yeah, I don't know. He's the uh, he's the wild card mm-hmm. <laughs> family. He's the one that Tyrion liked the most. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I guess both of them don't feel particularly worthy of their fathers. Like, Brienne feels very specifically like she's, it's not fair the gods let him keep me and not my sisters and brother. Yeah, who were presumably all good with their gender expression. I don't know. Ariane. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, she's got her gender expression kind of comfortable. Nothing else. Um... I would just call this a minor theme, I guess is what I was trying to say. Okay. But like Is that unfair? Um I don't know, I think definitely for Jamie, like, um the whole father thing also has to do with his honor. Because his Lannisterness has to do with his honor. 
Yeah. And in general, Lannisters, you know, he's traveling through the place where the Red Wedding happened. The Lannisters had their hand in it, even if it's these idiot frays that are everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> that thought just went out of my head, but... <laughs> Are we podcasting at 11.30? We started at 8. <laughs> Took us a while to get going. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, like, um, because you have this entire, like, you know, patriarchal feudal system, the whole, like, uh, you know, being heir to your father is kind of, like, the highest achievement. Right? That's true. And... That's that's why I, I I'm saying it's 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 linked to the external honor. Oh oh for sure and um well for Jamie certainly. Mm-hmm. But for Brienne it's linked more to for Brienne too because yeah yeah because like you know she says that you know a daughter is supposed to be you know well and yeah and and her womanhood is inextricable from her internal and external honor. Mm-hmm. Same with Jamie's manhood. Oh I hate these two. <laughs> um. And then the last thing we were going to talk about was Lannister parallels. And this is where Brienne has to has to go on the bench a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah. Jamie and Tyrion's parallels are rather amazing. Uh when you read these story when th- when you read this book as one. Yeah. Cuz they both have this travelogue. They're both confronting the question of who am I? Who do I want to be? Yeah, like who who am I specifically outside of their identity as Lannisters? Yeah. Tyrion's is a lot a lot more nihilistic. Like mm-hmm. Jamie's is like we said, it's kind of idealistic. Yeah. Uh but at the same time Oh, they they both have very slut shamey thoughts about Cersei. That's a <laughs> parallel. Lovely parallel. And Ugh. definitely, definitely, definitely thoughts about their father. I mean, Jamie's first chapter, he's blaming himself for Ty- for Tywin's death, mm-hmm. or then he's blaming everyone else but himself at one point. Like, he's going through a whole thing there, and they're both clearly a little bit haunted by Tywin's shadow. Well, all of Westeros is haunted by Tywin's shadow. Um. Oh. <laughs> so profound, I know. And then, yeah, and then the Cersei-Jamie stuff, like, I mean, it's kind of there on... Mm-hmm. It's meant to be like a perpendicular at this point. Like they're supposed to be, it, they're foils. Yeah, I like the perpendicular better. <laughs> they're perpendiculars. I like this math theme we have going on. Um, although foiling is also a math term. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're perpendiculars. Joyce. Yes, perpendiculars. Um, no, I just what I mean is that like, um, like this is something very conscious. This is like something that's very consciously established early on. That whole the whole thing about how like they don't look like each other anymore, because they used to be identical, except for you know Cersei was a woman and Jamie was a man. But now like you know Cersei's getting mm-hmm. like you know her her drunk bloat and everything like that. And um, Jamie has Jamie one has his, missing. Yeah, and he's he's like growing this beard. He's kind of very defiantly not shaving his beard off, so he doesn't look like her anymore. Because she was probably having sex with Lancel and Osmond Cataplack. I'm mean, for all he knows. Yes. Mm. Oh, Jamie. Yeah. I know. I, I really, I really, I find the Lannisters to be more and more interesting. I used to like not give a shit about them at all, <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, it used to annoy me that they had like so many fanboys. I mm-hmm. guess because people really get like I love the Lannisters, but I'm definitely not a fanboy of yeah. the Lannisters, and that I kind of think they're all despicable people. 
Mm-hmm. Jamie's the Jamie's the coolest. Jamie's the coolest, but like he's a problematic fave if ever there was one. So oh for sure. Uh, oh, I think maybe the Lannisters should get there an episode at some point. Maybe like we've you know what will probably happen is we'll need to do a Tyrion episode and then we can bring it all together mm-hmm. because we gave Cersei and Jamie that much. Yeah. And maybe maybe the reason that we're going on for three hours is because we combined Bran Brian and Jamie. <laughs> It seemed like a good idea at the time. Because they're so linked. Mm-hmm. And they're so cute. <laughs> I don't know. It made sense at the time for sure. And I guess there's no going back on that. So mm-hmm. we're not going to re-record. This is just, you're going to get this hot mess. Yeah, like uh, um, we've re-recorded once, actually, in the course of this uh, entire franchise that we have going on. Uh, oh, that was that a was painful experience. <laughs> Well, what we learned on the re-record was that it did not get better. No, but it was dead. It was deadpan, right? Yeah, it was deadpan. But we learned we learned the importance of outlining. <laughs> yes, that's true. That was really bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we should never, ever, ever do summaries of anything. Is what I'm learning. Oh, we should stop calling them summaries. Yeah. I'll just edit myself and be like, now we're going to very painfully recap every chapter. <laughs> But it will hopefully be moderately entertaining. No, and uh, I guess, I guess the biggest takeaway from the Riverlands arcs, you know, it's definitely the Carrion Crows theme, as mm-hmm. we talked about in the Dance of Dragons and the Feast for Crows. But like, don't you see how interesting travelogues can be when "quote unquote" nothing happens? First of all, shit a happens. Lot of shit happens. It, it took us like an hour and a half to recap it, guys. <laughs> shit happens. And secondly, like, yeah, it's slower paced, but look, what they're thinking about is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I feel like it's just that Martin really let himself go with, like, his, uh, landscape porn a little bit. That. There's not as maybe, much of it as people seem to think, though. It's not. Mm-hmm. The only other thing I can think, too, is that, like, as you're reading through Feast for Crows, and, like, these chapters are scattered, you come back and you're like, oh, Brienne's still traveling. Yeah, maybe. Oh, Jamie's still traveling. Together, when you when you just listened to this, I was floored at how fast she got to Maidenpool. Yeah. And how fast she was, like, fighting people in the Whispers. I was like, okay, this is happening now? Yeah, like, like I, I've called it, like, the climax of her arc, which is obviously not true, because I thought it was, like, towards the end, but it's not. Certainly it's momentous when she kills someone for the first time. Yeah. it's It's a huge fucking deal. It's definitely not something that just happens at the end of one scene so that Larry can have a shock look on his face. It'd be oddly Yeah, that was really bad. Mm. That was a really, really, really bad decision. Yeah, it's one of those things that was okay at the time. You're just like, okay, fine. But then, like, now it's like, no. (sighs) No. Yeah, you just just realized where it was leading, and now Mm -hmm. it's just Brian the Brute, and you're like, oh, God. So I don't have high hopes for the season six plotline, but... Yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised. It can happen. Sure. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be exploring this. Mm-hmm. With the magically disappearing patriarchy, they'll be exploring womanhood and manhood. Also, Larry loves Carol, so what? Yeah. He won't be burning any letters. What even is this? She can't be writing a letter! That's true! She's already fucking out of jail! Ah! <laughs> what the heck is this? <sighs> Maybe she just like read him a letter like, "Hey, baby, I miss you." And he's like, "Now, I'm, I'm in my plot line now." <sighs> anyway, check, check, check. 
That was that was uh, Jamie and Brienne. That was something. <sighs> yeah, I I you like love us. Uh, yeah, I do. I I love Jamie and Brienne too. Yeah, yeah. As um, romance for both of them. Hi. Yeah. I still don't feel like I have a satisfactory answer on that particular question, but maybe that's okay. the point. I don't know. I try. I don't think. I don't know. I don't think that's the point. I think we're just not very romantic. I used to, y- yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know the Terrell episode. I can promise you is going to be a lot shorter because mm-hmm. there's just not as much there to talk about. Not that I'm not excited to talk no, about. No, I'm, that I'm is very excited about talking on. about that. That is what I'm planning on doing next. Uh, poor Quentin did not get very many votes, but <laughs> I feel like he deserves an episode. Um, yeah. Brandon the White Walkers got the third most amount of votes, though, so it's probably going to go, you know, uh, yeah. Terrell's brand. And then I think, like, fuck you guys, we're doing Quentin. Yeah. Quentin! Jerks. Yeah. And actually, I'm just kidding, because I'm sure a lot of you really do care about it. You just wanted to hear Damien Brown. Yeah. And you got it. And we should do, like, like a, like a thing where we rank the candidates. Like in Sweden. Oh, that would have been way smarter. Hmm. Well, maybe after we get through the next two, we'll do another round of voting and give non-Dorn yeah. options. Th- that's also. what we did for, uh, Unabashed Book Snobbery number three, right? We had the top three? Yeah. 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 Top three. So we'll just keep doing top threes. Uh, love, love, love talking about the books during the season mm-hmm. because it's the, taste the out only of our time mouths. we're just, yeah, the fanfic and the Unabashed Book Snobbery. That's keeping me sane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, it's just writing in Martell's in Legend of Korra universe. Yeah. You can do that. <laughs> it's valid. Exactly. But yeah, uh, thank you for listening. And if you have any suggestions, drop by our Tumblr inboxes. I'm GOT Gifts and Musings, and she is the Cultural Vacuum. You can also email us at unabashedbooksnobbery at gmail.com. And otherwise, we will talk to you later. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Julia thought that what you're about to hear would make a really good Easter egg, though if I had any sort of commitment to quality, I would have done a few more takes. So this is why you listen to Unabashed Book Snobbery, for a lesser viewing experience. Or listening experience. Yep, that makes a lot more sense. Okay. A bear, there was a bear, a bear. All black and brown and covered in hair. Oh, come, they said, come to the fair. The fair said he, but I'm a bear, all black and brown and covered with hair. And down the road from here to there, three boys, a goat and a dancing bear, they danced and spun the way to the fair. The bear's mother sent to the summer air, the bear, the bear, all black and brown and covered with hair. He smelled her scent in the summer air. He sniffed and roared and smelled it there. Honey, on the summer air. Oh, I'm a mean, a pure and bear. I'll never dance with a hairy bear. I'll never dance with a hairy bear. The bear.
for a night, but you're a bear, a bear, a bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. She kicked and wailed the maid so fair, but he licked the honey from her hair. He licked the honey from her hair. Then she sighed and squealed and kicked the air, and she sang, my bear, so fair. And off they went, the bear, the bear, the maiden bear. Jesus, what is rape culture?